Good old boys. A Mark. Bog beef. Fredo. By the so way. Got it? Never lost it. Stepped on you, my bad. You, th- you would think after all this time I would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Talk, talk too much. No, nah, I was going to say. I feel old that uh, Weeaboo Judas mentions that he uh, loved this on Rock Band too. It's like I remember this like, well, not quite old enough to remember it coming out. I was pretty young, but I remember it like not being an old song. Yeah, I saw um, Thomas 777, who I think is uh, the big metalhead in the Distant Right stuff. And um, uh, he came out strong against Metallica. He said Metallica is gay. And I was just thinking like, and the thing is, like, uh, he went straight to the Black Album. And, like, yeah. Yeah, we, like, the thing is that the Black Album is super overrated. It is. We all agree with that. Yeah. It's one of, I mean, it got all the critical acclaim, but it, it's actually the beginning of, like, them kind of falling off a bit. And then they, in my opinion, they bounced back a bit, not quite to 80s level, but did bounce back a bit when Death Magnetic came out. I don't like any metal or have any opinion about Metallica. You like you like Sabbath, Mary? I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. If 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 the Sabbath song comes on, whatever, I'll, I'll listen to it. But I don't, I don't love them like you do. Okay, well, I I, I see. The thing is, I love Sabbath. I and um, Ride the Lightning is what's is ba- batteries on Master Puppets, right? Yeah, first song on Master Puppets. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, the thing is like. Uh, talk shit about Ride the Lightning because uh, I, I don't think you can. It's 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 a uh, that just that song to me is is probably the best metal song there is. I mean, I don't know if we want to if we want to put them head to head against Sabbath because Sabbath is so much slower. And I mean, I think Sabbath could could um, I don't know if, if you I don't know if you could compare like you know Snowblind versus Ride the Lightning head to head. I mean, if you could, that would be they're they're just both like five star songs. I don't think you could do better than that. And they're just so different. I mean, that's the point you hit on. Like it's a I mean, they're both in this like broad category of metal, but that's almost like comparing stuff in the broad category of rock and roll. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it, it's very broad. Yeah, and the early the early like and so Black Album is more like Sabbath, although it's not very good. Uh, I mean, like it's it's good compared to a lot of stuff. I'm just saying, like it, it's it's super overrated for how big Metallica is. Uh, the thrash stuff is is the is the is the best, and of course, thrash is is quite different than Sabbath. But um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, you're listening. You're listening to to uh, <laughs> Rocker and Bubba on one of those six Metallica battery. We got a case <laughs> of beer uh, uh, given away. A Toyota dealership. Um, it's a Bud Light. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're giving that shit away now. By the way, all the all the Master of Puppet songs, by the way, had to have like multiple cuts because they're all like very, very long. I like, got uh, Battery is actually not one of the longer ones, but like they had to do multiple cuts because like the whole each individual song is so long that the whole album I think is only eight songs or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going by memory here. If it, like I, we went, I saw I've seen Metallica live a few times. One of the times I went and saw Metallica live, one of my buddies, like his dad tagged along with us, which was cool. Like Metallica was, you know, very much after his time, he wasn't like super familiar with them, but he's like, ah, this will be fun. Like we had an extra ticket, whatever. And 
he like during the actual song master of puppets, he thought the song was over and they had gone to like <laughs> the next song. Cause you know how there's that interlude sort of in there. And we were like, yeah. no, 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 they're still going, man. It's coming, you know, it's coming back. Yeah. I don't like it. Hetfield, I think, uh, Hetfield is, I mean, people know this now, but, um, Hetfield is, is insanely talented. Uh, you'll notice that a lot of people, uh, because he's he's obviously big time lead singer. Everybody knows his voice, etc. Uh, in other words, he's not just going rah 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 rah, which you hear in a lot of metal shit. But um, uh, it's it's diff it's very difficult to sing and and play and like really play at the same time. And uh, he's he's just a beast at that. Uh, Hetfield is awesome. Um, do, I know we got a lot of listeners there into uh into guns. And um, I don't want to go too deep on that, but I just want uh, real quick. You said that there was a lot of P38s that just just came in. Volter. Yeah, they're like if you look at a couple of the importers out there. I mean, you'll find a ton of them on Gunbroker, but usually because Gunbroker tax on so many fees. I uh, I know J and G has like a ton of them posted right now. Uh, D DJW is another importer you can buy directly on their site. I believe they've got some. But they're they're pretty much the, the for listeners that haven't bought like these classic surplus pistols before, you want to get in when the big drop happens. I don't know why it tends to happen this way, but there's typically like some massive drop of these like European surplus pistols to the USA, and they'll be at an all time cheap price for a while when that happens, and then you know like a year from now, and then two years from now, three years from now, they'll start creeping up in price, right? So like. One of the ones Bog Beef and I were talking about today is like the Star BM that dropped. The big drop for that was like maybe two or three years ago. And you could get nice ones for $199. And those are like double, <laughs> you know, yeah. like now. So you, what, if you've ever wanted a Walther P38, now's the time to get it. Because what happens, the way this works, and that's the reason I bring it up because this is like a big time price alert. Because, and, um, everybody's done this if you're into guns what happens is one of these things happens you're like ah star star bm also you're like i'd like to have one of those yeah well i don't know i'll pick one up in six months you know i i, I want one but you know i want to get something else first and um just like i'll pick one up in six months that doesn't work it's gonna cost twice as much i i know that like one of the reasons why I held off on the star was that the first at the time they got imported, magazines were hard to come by. I assume that's been taken care of by now, right? Yeah. So the original magazines are much easier to get. And then uh, a couple aftermarket manufacturers uh, also make them uh, pro. I mean, both have moderately sketchy reputations, pro mag and um, triple, <laughs> triple K. <laughs> they're they're usually the guys that pick up like that like out of date uh you know manufacturing but the the key to that by the way like it's if you're a single really, stack though you know if, a it's a single stack exactly and b the, with the single stacks the key to it is honestly you can almost always fix it by putting a stronger magazine spring in uh like you can get wolf will just sells generic nine millimeter uh magazine springs like for single stack mags that you cut to length with like a wire cutter mm -hmm. so if you just put a slightly oversized one in there and you position it correctly uh usually you can fix most problems if it's really bad I'll, this is a little insider tip here what you can do is mag guts are you familiar with those bog beef 
Yeah. They make these funky internal magazine springs. It's only for a few different models of yes. gun. Okay, yes. yeah. I, I bought one for my um I bought one for my uh Ruger uh LCP2. Yeah. Yep, exactly, right. So what it is is there's like a really strong Z-shaped spring that kind of flows into the regular shaped spring. And what's good about that Z-spring is that it really forces it it basically prevents nose dives in a single stack <coughs> magazine because of the angle that it's at. Right. So if you buy the one for a Glock 43, that's the single stack, right, Bobby? Yeah. Yeah. And what you do is you just cut with a wire cutter or a tin or tinners the uh, the bottom of like the Glock floor plate off the back of the Z spring, and then just don't use the follower and put it in the mag. That'll generally fix your problem right there off the bat. Yeah. If you're if you're hard up. So the reason I ask is, you know, you really fixed me up before. Uh, uh, you really know your stuff. So, like, you, um, I was looking for something that was a carry piece that was, like, uh, a nice carry piece. Uh, you gave me the bird dog on Beretta Cheetah. And it was the funny thing was, like, you told me, you said, buy the Beretta, get the spring. When I bought it, it was, like, it wouldn't, like, it, it you couldn't, you couldn't um, take it apart. Uh, you couldn't disassemble it. There was something wrong with 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 whatever uh, trying to disassemble it. I finally got disassembled by just hitting the the disassembly lever like really hard. Came on loose. I put the new spring in it, and then it worked just fine. That's all I had to do. Yeah, blowback pistols. That's the thing. The recoil springs wear out much more quickly than a than like a lock breech pistol. So you got to keep them keep them in good shape. And then the thing is too, like, like an aluminum frame pistol that's blowback, you want to keep your recoil spring in good shape because if it's smacking too hard against the frame, you can actually get peening. Yeah. So I was thinking about this the other day cause I was, I've been kept reading about, um, these top Nazi guys and stuff like one thing. And so we were talking about, I, I talked about last week that, um, Goring was, um, he was like this big collector, right? He grew up in this, I think I mentioned this, but not Goring, the head of the Luftwaffe. He was like basically second in command or like second in the, like if Hitler was to die, he was to be uh Fuhrer. And um, he grew up in this castle. And like, by the way, it was like a very dysfunctional situation. Like his, um, uh, he grew up in a castle because he was part of the nobility, but his mother wasn't noble. There was like some weird poly stuff going on in the. But anyways, uh, it was it was not ideal. But and by the way, he was a Bavarian. He wasn't um, Prussian. I didn't really catch that when I first was reading about this. You just figure all the because the Prussians had so much power in in um, uh, old Germany that uh, I just assumed anyone in the nobility was Prussian. He was Bavarian, but anyways. Um, so he grew up in this castle. Where they always had art and weapons and old swords and armor and stuff. And so he was always collecting quote unquote, collecting that stuff, which was uh, a lot of times looted. It kind of gave me Crassus vibes. Like um, there's this thing that like uh, people that they'll say like, did you know Crassus got really rich by making this fire department and they would like get paid to put out fires and stuff. like, that's not how Crassus got rich. Crassus got rich by taking the money of people that were, uh, what's that word that they use? Merrick. Uh, you gotta when be more specific. What prescription prescription? Yeah. 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 People were, prescri yeah. yeah. Enemies of the state. He basically, <laughs> yeah, he stole their stuff. 
Yes, that's a way better way to make money than uh, a fire. Yeah, he had the fire department. He had a lot of hustles, but like that's how you really get rich. And obviously, um, there were people getting prescribed in Germany, and um, he was getting their stuff. One of the, and of course, he was a uh, what he really liked. One of the things he really liked was pistols. He loved pistols, and that's pretty common. There's a lot of guys like that. And by the way, when you're reading about like, um, you ever heard that looting is a war crime? Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the thing. There's a lot of things that are technically war crimes. Like, this, <laughs> yes, this, yeah. came, this came up during Nuremberg, where like one of the accusations against the, against the Germans was like he did an offensive war, and everybody knows that an offensive war is like a, a crime against humanity. And it's like you know, everybody, <laughs> everybody fucking does that. Well, it's it. What it is is it's exact. You know the it's the meme that's been used a million times where it's a cartoon. Where the fat guy tells the girl she's looking good and she calls HR. And then the, yeah. <laughs> That's war crimes. That's how you understand what a war crime is. Oh, God. Yeah. Because, like, I, uh, people say, oh, you know, looting is a war crime. Well, every goddamn soldier in world history is a war criminal then. Because somebody, somebody, listen, if you're listening to this and you're good at making memes, please make that meme and put like <laughs> and put like an SS uniform on the fat sloppy guy and like a, a, a nice crisp 1940s US uniform on the Chad. And it, she, the woman's like, "Excuse me, uh, hey." Yeah, and so that like looting is a, like that all. Let me tell you, everybody does the looting. Okay, so and by the and so and everybody is so the germans were looting the 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 russians were looting and let me tell you the americans were looting and uh because part of this comes out i was reading about um what is the you ever seen this thing on reddit where the guys post their edc oh yeah yeah all the time they'll have like and like the, the the joke is like the guy will be like a um computer programmer and he'll have like uh Tape measure, impact driver, uh, fold away AR 15, <laughs> you know, a couple Glocks, a couple extra bags. Like he'll have like, you know, a whole arsenal with him or something like that. That's the joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is real that like, and this is something that go, like even in, in Roman, Roman men carried a, a pocket knife, a fold. They had folding pocket knives. Did you know that? No. I didn't know that. No. Yeah. Roman men had folding pocket knives and they were like, they were like, cool. You know, it was like, you want a cool one. Hell yeah. I do that too. Um, I carried my, um, uh, one of my favorite spider code knives. Uh, and it's just, it's just cool. It's, you know, it's got some special metal and stuff, but it comes from a cool brand, all that kind of shit. It's just cool. And so EDC is also that way, especially for officers. Because an officer has to carry a pistol. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that, but like even if you're some desk jockey uh that doesn't do shit, you still you have to if you're an officer, you have to carry a pistol. Now you see, like a, a ordinary soldiers, they don't have to carry a pistol. And a lot of times they don't even want one. I mean, you you they got a real gun, you know? Yeah, and to to your point, this is less true today, but like in the old days. The officer's pistols sometimes were not even particularly useful. They just looked very classy. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, a classic example of that is, like, I, I one of the first guns I restored was a Beretta 1934, and that's what the uh, Mussolini's guys carried, right? They're cut, the fascist-era ones are actually cool because they have the fascist year inscribed on them because Mussolini restarted the calendar. So, like, mine 
is from 1937. So it says year 15 on it, uh, you know, in Roman numerals. But if you've ever shot a Beretta 1934, it would it is not particularly useful as a carry weapon because the safety. So this is a single action pistol that you know you would think you'd want to carry in condition one, right? Cocked and locked. The safety is like a lever that you have to rotate 180 degrees to go from <laughs> safe to fire. Like that is not obviously very convenient if you want to draw and shoot very quickly. But it's a yeah. classy, classy looking gun, though. Yes. Uh, Subvision Ace is goring those shiny things. Hitler apparently kept them loyal by designing endless new awards and Boy Scout badges. Yeah, I saw there's a big tweet going around today about Franco uh, uniting the various right wing factions, which we talked about two weeks ago. Yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm not saying that's why, but I mean, it, it is an interesting <laughs> thing. Now, Hitler, so Hitler, obviously, the, um, uh, and so when you talk about uniting the right, you know, you had. Wait, but before we go on there, you know, I, I just want to say, I don't think I've ever said this, but, and you, and you know, you and I have known each other for a very long time, but I, I can, I can trace back the, the, the moment that I started shifting further to the right when I got this book, it was an old book about the Spanish Civil War. It was like, it was written in, I think this, I don't know, it, it might have been written in the 70s before Franco died. Anyway, it was kind of a it was it was kind of like a lib or progressive book about the origins of the Spanish Civil War, kind of like a, a, apologetics for the Republican regime. You know, the one that <laughs> you, I don't know if you you can't you can't lay, lay the blame of like the, the anti-clerical the the murders of the clergy and the, and you know nuns and digging up their dead bodies. You can't necessarily lay that actually on the Republican government, but people adjacent to them were doing that, and they were. They were allies. And I read this book, and this guy is, like, explaining why this was a good thing, right? Like, why all this stuff they did was, was and it, it was such a shame that, that, that Franco came along and destroyed it. And I was reading it, I was like, wait a second, what? Like, wh this is not, this, these, these things aren't good, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's funny, because Franco wasn't a psycho-fascist or anything like Franco was, like, a no. boomer Republican. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yes, yes, it's exactly my point. Uh, the, the point I'm getting at here was like the the basic bitch uh, U.S. history stuff you got in school was that Franco was, you know, a fascist and he was a bad guy for reasons we're not gonna we're not gonna get into. But like, if you look at the reasons, there aren't any. I'm there. Uh, we'll you have to pass you, up. Yeah. What's that? Oh, they'll have to pass out sick bags, so we're not going to get into all that. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, for the for the 1930s, Franco was a pretty mild leader, honestly. If you could be grading him on the curve of the time, he was he was he was the kind of milk toast compared to the other people. And it's just it's just funny as things get weirder and weirder today. I I understand more and more how a leader like Franco appears because like, like, you, you can see it. You can see it in America today. Just somebody's like, okay, we're, we're going to stop this now. I'm going to start throwing some people in jail. It's, it's, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be okay. Everybody stop it. Go yeah. Back to your neutral corners. And he even did that to the right and stuff. So like the, the, the fascist guys that didn't like the church and stuff, he's like, well, you got to knock that off. And you know everybody. He's telling everybody, you, you got to knock off whatever you're doing. Yeah, he didn't, I mean, he, he didn't mass murder people either. <laughs> yeah, he just said get out. <laughs> yeah, go away. So 
Yeah, by the way, one of the reasons I've always stayed away from the Spanish Civil War is there's this thing about leftists. I guess they don't do that anymore. They're just getting dumber and stuff. But there was this thing like maybe in the, in the there used to be a thing about leftists that they would sort of obsess about the Spanish Civil War and know every second of the Spanish Civil War. Remember this? Yeah. Every yep. every every super leftist would could tell you like, oh no, on January seventh. That's why. Do what? Hemingway and Orwell. That's why. They wrote, uh, they both wrote books about it. Yeah. Well, they would just like go super super like beyond, you know, knowing every second of the Spanish Civil War. But anyway, so there's this. Uh, so there's a Goring is doing all this stuff. Oh yeah, Goring. Oh yeah, the thing about him, the shiny new, the shiny thing. So obviously Hitler. Uh, had the same sort of thing that Franco had with the the monarchist fashion, the aristocracy, and the aristocracy had a lot more power back then. He got around this by just constantly bribing them, just giving them money. <laughs> that works too, and and power. He would say like, uh, uh, "You guys not my, you know, like you know, you maybe want the Kaiser back, but like, um, I can give you like tanks and stuff now, and some money. That works. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I would." <laughs> If you were going for like the materialist outcomes, if you're going to be that guy, you could say that you, when things are bad, you might get a Franco. When things are really bad, you might get Mustache Man. Because <laughs> like Weimar Germany was in was in worse shape than like 1936 Spain. Yeah. Well, they had the. You know, I brought this up before. It's like <laughs> if you wanted to stop Hitler, like um. Why don't you come up? Why didn't they have like uh you know if I if I was running like uh whoever some kind of opposition to Hitler I'd be like why don't we put forward a guy that that will just default on the on the uh, Treaty of Versailles <laughs> you know what I mean that that's like a it's hard to beat that as a package because the reason is like because even then they these nerds were obsessed with like international law rule you know what I mean. Like th that, that sort of tendency that like we see like in progressives today, it, it existed then too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it, like, you know, uh, well, I, I mean, yes, that's true. But I would say the bigger reason why they couldn't do that is because part of their political program was destroying Germany. So they couldn't, you know, that's <laughs> like, uh, why doesn't Joe Biden just uh, say nice things about Russia or whatever? You can't. That's part. Of, like, that's part of the platform. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. Like, like in terms of like, you can't come up with a policy that's like better. Like, it's not like uh, you can. You can't do anything better than some guy. that's like, oh, all that massive debt we owe to France and stuff. We're just not going to pay it. That's like a. That's like a better policy than like anything else you can come up with. And you know, like when they did that, didn't like the same countries that went and fought them were like. Eh, you know, we probably too rough on them. And when they got when they start rearming and stuff, like, eh, you know, like it's not. What are they going to do? We're going to not let them have a military ever again. We should let them have a little military. Maybe it'll make them feel better. You know what I mean? No, I mean, well, yeah, it was a little bit of that. Well, well, well mainly what it, 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 here's here's my opinion about about the the build up to like 1940. What, what happened was that the goal after World War One was to I mean, the goal before World War One was to destroy destroy the German Empire. That was the that was the reason why the war happened. And afterwards they, they tried to You're talking about the German question. Yeah, yes. And, and the Germans because the Germans in World War One pretty wisely threw in a towel early before 
people, like, you know, the Allies were on German soil. It wasn't a complete destruction of the other country. Like, economically, they were destroyed, but the country wasn't physically destroyed and occupied like it was after, in 1945. But you're so, also talking about the, the unification stuff, right? What do you mean? Like, whether or not Germany is includes Prussia and Austria and the Sudetenland, all that stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah, that go. That I mean, that goes back to the 19th century. Yeah, that 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 was that's always been a nightmare. That wasn't even on that. That wasn't even on the table. Until well, I don't know. It, it, it was always on the table, but it wasn't going to be a realistic option until the late 1930s. My my point here was, I think that they like when when Hitler went Hitler went back into the Rhineland and and reoccupy and it's like like occupy the the thing is occupy the Rhineland. If it's if it's your country, it's weird to call it occupation, right? It's a remilitarization of the Rhineland. Like the the choices here were simple. It's either you're going to go to war with Germany over this, or you're not. And nobody nobody had the stomach to start a war over that. No one had the stomach to start a war over Czechoslovakia. And even though there's a, a, you know, a lot of stuff about, oh, appeasement and stuff. When we should have went to war in 1930, you know, 1938 over Czechoslovakia. It's easy to say that in hindsight, right? Because you were going to go to war anyway. But you didn't know that then. Are you really going to fight a, a fight another, like World War II over the Sudetenland? Now, if they had, it probably like would have turned out better because Hitler might have been removed by his own generals and, or, you know, lost the war in, in a few years. Well, yeah. So it isn't like I watched this, I watched this speech the other day by, um, Victor Davis Hanson who's not horrible, but you know, he did this big speech about Hitler and stuff. And he was talking about, he's like, you know, Hitler, you know, he should have built these four engine bombers and all this. Like if he's going to take on the United States, if he's going to take on the English and stuff, but like, Hitler didn't understand what was in it for the Americans or the British to fight him, right? Oh, this is this is a big can of worms. This is where you had you get into what's, like what's the can of worms? Well, tell me. I don't know what the can of worms. Like what what was in it for the British to you know like that? Hitler didn't understand why they would want to fight him to begin with, right? Well, the the motivations of uh, I mean, because by the way, it had nothing to do with Holocaust at the time, right? right? The, the, the motivation of Germany and the motivation of Britain in the United States in this time is like a really hotly debated things today. And there, I, I, there are a couple of views on this, but I, I, so the, the mainstream view, the one you learned in school was like, people, was, in the, people in the chat are telling me I'm going to really spy. I have no idea that I'm talking about spy. This is inter- just, I have no idea what you're about to say, by the way. <laughs> the the mainstream view, like you get in your history books, like Hitler was a crazy person who wanted to conquer the world, and he didn't, you know, blah. blah By the blah, way, blah. everybody wants to conquer the world. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, I, I don't did a I, whole song about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's like realistic analysis. That's like that's pro, that's propaganda, which isn't necessarily a problem, except like when you're trying to present it as objective history. It's not. It's propaganda, and here's the big problem with World War II. And why people are saying this is spicy, and we've we've dipped our toes in this before, but here's the truth: the the uh, the nation, the, the country of the United States that exists today, the global empire, its foundational myth is World War II. Right. Right. This this is a, this is the you know the 
after the empire killed the nation of America, which founding myth was 1776, 1945 became the foundational myth of this empire. So whenever you like try to like revisit the history of World War II, you're directly attacking that religion. So it's really spicy. Well, by the way, I mean it's like that's always been uh, like um, and it, like so if you're right wing, FDR should be generally icky to you, right? That shouldn't be like complicated, right? Yeah. But and you know and like FDR's actions leading into World War II. Like Americans didn't want to go into the war and he did all this stuff. You know, he was running sort of ships in between, you know, the U-boat and the, and no, the he convoy. Wasn't just running them. We were, we were attacking U-boats in the Atlantic when we were ostensibly neutral. Right. There was right. a war in the Atlantic where we, we just, we just kind of kept extending. Hey, hey by the way, now, if you're, you know, 2000 miles from the coast, we're going to just attack you. Right. I mean, it would be F- like FDR. I, I don't think this point you can deny FD like in, in it's it's funny because a lot of uh, the his the, the political writers at the time this is kind of a conspiracy theory that FDR tried to get us into World War Two, and uh, I, I like Moldbug had if you read his UR he had a, 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 a like a little stable of writers who were like contemporary critics of FDR for this reason. And this is kind of a conspiracy theory then, but n- now that the, the World War Two is our our uh, you know imperial mythology, they kind of this is no longer a conspiracy theory. They admit it, and it's like a good thing. Like, yeah, of course he, he had to convince Americans to get into the war. But yeah, it, it, it's objectively true that he wanted us to be in the war, and he helped move that along because he, he felt that it was important for us to get involved in, in Europe again. Right. And so that's like my first feeling, like just as a conservative right work. Now, on the other hand, there's a couple things. So first off, there is that... Um, uh, and it's not it's not really great in in hindsight, but I mean, he sort of got the American Empire really going. We you know we, we got a bunch of bases for destroyers and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? We sort of started taking over, got all this gold from the English. We started like getting their empire, right? Yeah, you could you could argue a lot of that happened after World War One, but yes, this is one that got supercharged. This is this is the the you, you, if you say the balance of power shifted after World War One, after World War Two, it became undeniable. Right, and so there's like it's a regardless of right wing or left wing. Like if I was running America, I would want to get those bases and stuff like that. But the other thing is just that the sort of undeniable glory that comes from like World War Two was so glorious. Like yeah, we'll never get enough. Like. Uh, there'll never be another war like that where people are sort of going all in, like because now weapons are too dangerous because of World War II. We'll never get like people going that hard in the paint ever again. So there was so much uh, glorious things Americans did in that conflict that it does make me feel conflicted. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can, you know, we don't like the GAE. We 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 made no bones about. That. By the way, I think this is Putin's stance towards the towards the Soviets, isn't it? I'm sure. I'm sure it's exactly how they feel about this. I was just going to say, you know, we hate the GAE, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, r- read what happened at Midway and, and, and not get a little bit stoked. I, I, I dare you to do that. Right. You can't that, help it. That does make me feel a little conflicted. I don't know if there's an answer to that, but that it's, always makes well, me there feel is a very, There's a simple answer that people don't like it. I, I hinted at before, you know, we, we, we love Rome. We're Rome bros, right? Right. Rome's a bad guy. 
I mean, it, it, you have to acknowledge that. Like Rome is the is the. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can acknowledge that. I know I what know, you're saying. It, it's true though. They but it are. was so damn glorious. I know it's they're cool. Like Darth Vader is cool. Nobody like no like, nobody wants to be Luke Skywalker. The fucking whiny little bitch. Darth Vader is cool. You want to be Darth Vader. But yeah. any, anyway, we're getting off the we're getting off the point. The point was, like, you know, about Hitler's view on the United States and England. So the mainstream view is we are to Hitler's a crazy person, wants to conquer the world, blah blah blah. Maybe the the big dissenting view on this that that I happen to like is uh, there's a, a guy named John Lukash. He, he wrote a, a, he wrote a lot of books about this. Uh, he wasn't. It's hard to nail him down. He was kind of like a, a type of conservative right or reactionary guy that doesn't exist much anymore. Like he hated populism. He was kind of a aristocrat kind of. He, he wasn't literally aristocrat, but he was one of those guys who he wanted an aristocracy. Right? He was right wing, but he was not at all democratic. And in his in his books about Hitler, he suggests that Hitler's goal was. He wanted to make peace with the British Empire ASAP. He did not want to fight the British Empire or America. I don't think that's that's um that's debatable anymore, right? Well, Everybody every, should agree with that. I think you should, but I, it is debatable. I mean, everything's debatable. He he's that was his view that Hitler did not want the war with the UK. He was trying to he was trying to make it. That was one of the reasons, allegedly one of the reasons why the uh, Germans. Behave so bizarrely at Dunkirk. Right. I'm not sure. By that's the true. way, there's nothing like um, bizarre. Even if no matter how he felt about um, the British or America, um, like you're going to lose if you like. There's. It's not. You're not going. To, he's not. The Germans aren't going to colonize the UK, and they know they want to colonize East, and so you don't. There's no reason to to desire that. You know. But th this, yeah, and, and that that was the, the Lakash view. Lakash, Lakash. I don't. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Hungarian guy. He he died a couple of years ago. He's a really. Uh, you, you should if you should you should read his books. I, I read them. <clears throat> I read them when I was a young man. They had a very a profound impact on the way. And I don't just mean just his his books about Hitler. He he wrote uh, a lot of books. The uh, name John L U K A C S. Look him up. Anyway, you could make the same argument about. Germany and especially Britain in both 1914 and 1940. Uh, in 1914, you have the question: Why is Britain getting involved in World War One at all? Why Why are you getting involved in this war? <laughs> because it's going to destroy your empire. Right. Like the, the, in 1914, it, it, it pretty much mortally wounds it, and then 1940 just just smothers what was left with the pillow. So why are you doing this? You could make the argument from the German perspective, well, they're not going to do this. This is so stupid. Nobody would, would sacrifice their global empire, you know, over, you know, over uh, like a, a small piece of France, right? No one's going to, no one's going to do that, but they did. They did it twice. And this is, you could argue this is something that the Germans in general never understood about the British. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were willing to do this, right? Because, like, the question is, what's in it for you? Yes, and and 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 I've, I've, this is one of the things. <laughs> as I've gotten older, I, I it's, whenever they worship Churchill, it's so funny. Like Churchill comes up a lot. He's like, he's a great figure. He was a figure of you know uh, resistance and stuff. Like he, he, like his entire career, he just he just fucking destroyed the the British <laughs> Empire from like the from from the like late nineteenth century until he died. He just he he. he <laughs> He's the worst figure in British history. I don't understand how he's so worshipped. Well, I guess I do. We, it's understandable that we love him as Americans, right? Well, <laughs> he, he, he handed us everything on a silver platter. Well, that's part. Isn't his mother was American, right? Yeah, I think so. That's part of the conspiracy. It's sort of like the, the Hitler's mother was Jewish conspiracy theory. I don't think that conspiracy theory is true, but there's like a conspiracy theory like that, and um. Which, by the way, is probably like if I if I really hated Jews, that's what I would go with because that, like, when when you do, you remember this one, right? People used to say that one. Yeah. When you when you say like the whole point of that conspiracy theory was like, oh, the Holocaust that was just an internal conflict. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, the Jews just, Hitler was gay back in yeah. the. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, was, Hitler, Hitler was gay back when being gay was bad, but now being gay is good, so Hitler wasn't <laughs> gay anymore. <laughs> yeah, everything in America is sort of Hitler-based morality. The um, the the one distributist always does is the, you know, who else drank water? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, I don't. This all this stuff is so so damn interesting. Uh, the, I, I know the same thing with FDR with with Churchill. I know if you're right wing, you're supposed to sort of not like Churchill. But he's mm. such a damn good writer. Uh, I've I read one of his books and it was just wait, so wait, well written. Whoa, 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 whoa! What do you mean if you if you're right wing and that's just like Churchill? That's not true at all. They, they conservative people love him. Okay, well, I mean, so he was just a damn good writer. Also, he was like um, he was sort of uniquely because of his age and the sort of the time that he grew up. Like um, his his sort of body of work in war spans from like uh, he charged guys on horses with spears and shit. And um, he was involved with a conflict that nuclear weapons. So that, that's kind of crazy too. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> Churchill's a uh, funny figure and especially some of the later scholarship about FDR. <laughs> that he, Basically, Churchill gave him the keys to the, you know, like gave him the deed to the family farm, and uh, FDR just immediately began cucking him, like you know, talk to, uh, uh, allying with Stalin, and and <laughs> there were in, in Stalin's War, the book, allegedly FDR was going to offer like India to Stalin. <laughs> which churchill didn't know about right right it's a you know if you're american i can see why we we love churchill because he's just he's an idiot who just gave us everything you right-wing people shouldn't like him because like if you're if you're conservative-ish person in america or i guess anywhere in the anglosphere you know you 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 know churchill figures you see him every day They've been running the the conservative movement for a long time, and they've been doing exactly what he did. They shouldn't like him. I'll put it that way. Is our world still defined by World War II? Well, you know, someone in chat made a, uh, I think it was Wild Picking, made a great comment when I said that you know the the founding mythology of of the empire is 
World War Two, and uh, it was Wild Pig King. Great name, by the way. He said, "Not anymore." That was the first phase of the GAE Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now we're on the founding myth being 1964 to 1969. And that's probably true. No, I mean it's not probably true. That is true. It's more of a more of an Old Testament, New Testament kind of thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things that's so feminine about things because, like, uh, you know, yeah. in Austin, I remember I was in the airport one time waiting for a flight out, and um, uh, I I set my bag down and took a seat, and I looked over and I was like, I'm sitting on a statue, and I turn around and it's like a it's like a, a statue, and like apparently it's obvious that like this thing used to be somewhere else and they drug it in the airport, you know. And uh, the statue was, was just of some bitch that wanted uh, a, a lawsuit. Yeah, that's I, their heroes, man. That's that's their their version of saints and and, and gen- victorious generals are people who whined at the government and did lawsuits. Yeah, you know. By the way, there are right wing people that like you know. There's some person that probably like planned out and set up whatever lawsuit they used to get rid of Roe v. Wade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like yeah. We, it was the. I mean, it was the the government of Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, like whatever. That was probably like at some level architect. Whatever, but like, uh, I don't respect that person more than Audi Murphy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you're still you're running on legacy uh, software. That's that's the well, not the problem. That's the that's yeah, a good thing. But so I don't. Like, and this is one of the things that you know. I don't, I don't know if we should do an episode about Audi Murphy, but like. um Audi Murphy is so cool, and like one, of the, like you, like one of the reasons why war is glorious, and why like sort of you you don't know, sort of know like when you look at the things that, like the one of the things like so when I first started reading about Audi Murphy, I was like, oh, so this guy was just like an individual soldier that just like he uh, he was a, an amazing shot, and like I know him and um, Alvin York, they both got disgusting with a gun the same way. They had they were eating squirrels and rabbits and squirrels and rabbits are hard to shoot with a gun you know what i'm saying and you don't get much meat off of them either so you gotta shoot a lot of them yeah so that'll make so i thought like oh well audi murphy was just like disgusting with a gun and so he was just like a good soldier to shot no i mean he was that but like uh he was like in the most horrible situations he's like taking command and he was one of the guys like they made him an officer in the field that's always a good look but like um He's like telling people what to do when things are going crazy. You know what I'm saying? This is like the best kind of person. This is why I've always been uh, very, uh, very uh, sort of sympathetic to the whole aristocracy thing. Because, you know, like the thing with aristocracy, I know why people don't like it. It's like, well, these guys just get born into it. They could be a loser. Okay. Yeah. But like they have to become a military officer. You have to. You have to. And like if I have a choice between, if I want to be ruled by a military officer or um, what was uh, sort of the best example of like the modern sort of uh, non-military politician, who's the Mormon guy ran for president? Mitt Romney. Yeah. Cause he looks so good. You know what I mean? He looks like the most, yeah. he looks perfect. He wasn't in the military, was he? No, but you know, he was like this kick-ass guy at business. I would rather have, uh, a military officer than someone like him, like a, a thousand times out of out of out of out of ten. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I don't know. They the, one of the good arguments for for our, our boy Wild King Pigs, uh, 
I don't even want to say statement because I mean it's just kind of it, 1964 is the new 1776. They weren't always like this. Like okay, they they've always worshipped Lincoln, who dis, you know despite not being an aristocrat or a soldier in himself, you know he did wield state power through the military. Right? He 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 conquered he conquered half the country. Yeah, I don't so, like him, but he was a strong leader. I mean, right. They weren't so they like, when they worshipped him. You understood that. However, it, it should be should be noted that like you know even the that was the first we'll say that's the first lib revolution in America. It the the politics afterwards were dominated by people who had served in the Civil War. Like they if you had if you had been a you know a colonel or a, a up in the Union Army, you had a chance to become a, a high level politician. And it's understandable. So this was it wasn't always like this. This is something that really developed out of the. 1960s, it, you know, I won't ring this bell too much, but uh, Martin Luther King being the secular saint and the, I guess, like the biggest hero of, of the of the modern American, I say nation, the GAE, is really obscene, and not because of the, the dumb reasons of people like well, he cheated on his wife and he beat women and stuff, which you know, what what you know, yeah, that's not good, but. That's not the reason why it's so obscene. It's obscene because this is all he did. He wrote letters, he complained, and he did lawsuits and, and civil rights marches. That's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing admirable about that. He fucking he was a cutout to to complain for the government to petition itself for more power. That's not an admirable thing at all. That's like being a puppet leader. You, yeah. If that is like your biggest hero, then your movement is in not only bad but entirely fake. The other thing that's fake about it is like, why don't they, you know, like, uh, obviously I don't like him, but like, uh, I think Johnson was the biggest reason why all that stuff happened. Right. Yeah. They yeah. don't, they don't really give any debt to Johnson. Uh, you got guys like Stoller who will, but yeah, but yeah. because he was, he was, he was a racist. That's why. I mean, you know, he really, 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 really went out of his way for the civil rights movement. Oh yeah. He, like not a lot of the, <laughs> If if uh, not for stuff that he did, the country would not be like half as shitty as it is today. Yeah, he's but, he's he's on the Mount Rushmore of shitty U.S. presidents. Yeah, they don't give him they any debt. They should love him for that. I don't know. They don't really give him any debt. But yeah. But anyways, the thing about the about the uh, uh, the military officer is that, and this is like you don't get stuff like this, and and like so, um, being a liar is good for being in like business. You have to lie a lot. It's good for you. You need to lie like all the time if you're a business. In the military, it's not good for you. In the like in the military, um, things like lying are like uh, a semi crime, and like they, it, it, it's not that way because military people are just better than everybody else. It's because of, this is how sort of military stuff works. Like if you're if you sort of beat around the bush and are diplomatic about things, you can get people killed. You need to you need to say who, what, when, where, why now. You need to be very clear about things. And I, I like I, I'm sure the people in the military are like, oh, I know somebody that lied. Yeah. This isn't like remember, like lying is just thought of good in other in other in other uh businesses. In this business, like um it's like bad. Like uh it's uh that makes you a worse soldier, makes you a worse that you don't get stuff like that very often. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like farming sort of occupied government. Yeah, farming has this kind of stuff, like um you know, uh, 
getting up at 4 a.m. is like good for you if you're if you're uh if you're a if you're a farmer like it makes you a better farmer so having your family together makes you a better farmer like you you can put them kids to work and shit <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah but i mean yes that's true but also like these things are good in them in, in in essence like not lying is good in essence Getting up, getting up early is good in essence. Having yes. your family together is good in essence. Yes, but that's what, like you get this weird like extra bonus synergy with the with these with like certain professions that you don't get everywhere else. You know what I mean? You do get. I, I disagree. You do get them in, in other in other professions. It's just like there are there are perverse incentives. Obviously, like yeah, there are industries where lying is a, a boon. But there, can you think of any any like any industry that you would like where lying helps you out. Yeah. But I don't think there's many things like that. Like remember, like uh, there's not much like um, sort of Audi Murphy sort of having to get people to do things that can get them killed. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, yeah. run up that hill. Like that doesn't really exist in other places. You know, you like, I, I, you want me to run up that hill? I'll call the union. You know what I mean? Like, there's <laughs> there's nothing like that anywhere else. And so, you I, like, you know, we can take advantage of this as a public if we want to. Like, the, the the things that make a good military officer are, like, are kind of things that you want. It would be nice to have. And I mean, I don't mean this, like, in, I mean, like, um, I, like, I'd like to be ruled. We would get a bit, we would get a fair shake if we were ruled by ex-profession people, people that spend a lot of time in ex-profession and Y-profession. I really do. You know what I mean? Of course. I mean, this is human this is how everybody feel i won't go everybody feel this way in human history until recently because that's not true what this is is like we're in this we're in the stage where it's no longer the you know the general the king and his generals it's like the it's the courtiers who are in charge the king died and now a bunch of shitty courtiers are are the ones who are sitting on the throne and they and their values are antithetical to what you just talked about they hate that and this is not this is like this is not a new thing that's happened recently it's new to us but like someone in someone in the 15th century would have recognized this too we're just in that stage and this is just, just that's just how it is right it's just like you know if andrew jackson sort of has it in him to like uh inspire men to risk their life then you know then politics is is no problem. You know what I'm saying? I need you to go. Um, yep. I need you to go talk to the ex Senator, convince him of X or Y. Well, that's easy. If you've told somebody to charge the Hill, you know, I don't know. Anyways, we, you said that we had a slow news week, so we did an hour of, uh, of the bands. It's good old boys. that uh, drive at seven. We, we got an accident in the South on the uh, Santa Ana by La Palma. <laughs> Traffic backed up. Keep All right. Let, let's get to work. <laughs> 1001 one minute past the hour. Blah 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 blah. You're talking about DeSantis and um Yeah. I held off on mentioning it so people wouldn't turn the dial. <laughs> and his thing is tomorrow, isn't it? It's tonight. It's Wednesday. Did, did, oh, I, I get what you're saying. Wednesday. Yeah, it's tomorrow. <laughs> Stick right here. Um so DeSantis tonight is uh or has um he was gonna announce running for president on a Twitter space. There's a significance there too. Remember that, like Trump was known for being this great Twitter personality, Ooh. but he's not on Twitter anymore. He's in the truth set, truth social echo chamber currently with 
I, you know, I mean, it's probably satisfying being there, but it's got a lot less reach. And the, my presumption, although I don't, I don't know this is that he can't go to Twitter because he probably has some sort of exclusivity contract with true social. Oh, so he's like, okay. Cause when I first heard this, I got to tell you like, I so I don't have anything huge against Twitter space, but I do. I like, so what he's, a lot of people in our world sort of spend a lot of time on there. Right? Like, um, so people listen to a lot of podcasts. Like, generally, they're like commuting and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know what people are doing when they're on the tw- like. You, you got to have something, some way. You're, these things, if you're spending a lot of time on how it revolves around your life. So, I tried doing a Twitter space when I was driving once, and I almost wrecked the car. <laughs> so that's my only beef. I don't. Obviously, I obviously I think talking and for a microphone is good. So it's just like I. I, I don't know how people are set up. Like, are they on a computer or are they on their phone? But like, um, cause by the way, the little, you know, you got to hit the mute button while you're doing this. And the mute button is like four pixels size. And I don't have a small phone. I, so, I, haven't, I haven't looked into it for a while, but we, we, we when Twitter spaces kind of came out, we discussed, well, maybe we should simulcast a live show to Twitter spaces. And basically at the time, I don't know if it's easier now, you would have to, do crazy stuff like emulate Android to, to, and, and to another instance and plug in like 15 different things to even make it work, to like to, to, to simulcast it. So, yeah. I, the t- yeah, but the, the whole thing, though, is they're trying to change that and make it a real media content. I mean, that's the big monetization push for Twitter. So I assume it is getting better as they're launching this stuff. Because remember, the Tucker Carlson, whatever he's doing next is going to be on Twitter, too. Yeah, They're all like, that's... Elon's whole thing now is he wants to have it to be like a major medium for, I don't know what, what boomer types like me would think of as like TV and radio. You know what I mean? Right. right. It, so Meta prime. I know you do a lot of spaces. I have that. Like I said, so I'm talking in front of a microphone. I, I, I support that all the way. It, it was just the, um, uh, I wish they had had the mute button a little bigger. You can't, you can't do Twitter spaces on the computer. Can you? Like you couldn't before, maybe you can now. I don't know. Maybe you can. We'll figure it out. We'll get on Twitter Space sometime. Because and but by the way, and so the other thing that's, that's sort of big about this yeah. is that um he's got Elon there, and Elon sort of has like a uh I don't know if he could have a better reputation in the right wing right now, except for Tucker. Yeah, which absolutely. By, by the way, I mean I don't know I don't know if I don't know if DeSantis is trying to get in there and well you know I'm I'm doing stuff on Twitter and and Tucker's doing stuff on Twitter you know. I want to, you were talking about, you know, Trump was the king of Twitter. It was one of the ways he could directly. Best tweeter ever. Yes. Still is. No no one's, no one's even come close to touching the crown. One of the keys to his 2015, 2016 campaign was that he went directly to the people through social media, which he had to because the media absolutely despised him, which ironically they helped this campaign by talking about him nonstop, but. They weren't saying good things about him. His way to communicate was was direct. Uh, the, I think the the it's just going to be controversial, but I'm going to say it. Uh-oh. This is I'll like get fired. A, kind of a microcosm of, of the political situation in 2023, which is that like the only time I've ever gone to True Social was to go and confirm that some dumb thing that the president tweeted, well, truthed out, like was actually real. I was like, "There's no way he actually said this. This is too dumb and too gay for President Trump to have said that." And I went on True Social, like, "Oh wow, he did actually. He actually said that." That's the only time I've ever used True Social. And like, aren't we kind of directly in the 
market demographic for that? Shouldn't we like if we don't like True Social, we never use it. That's a really bad sign, right? It's not going to go anywhere. So why is he still on True Social? I mean, if if he's got a contract with them or whatever, you need if you're running for president, you need to just break it and start tweeting anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I like. Uh, I want to see some. I want to see a real rumble between these, these two guys. I think they'll both. Well, get you be- gonna? I think they'll both get better for it. And I like. Yeah. The, the, all the arguments I'm because all the arguments I'm seeing right now are really lame. Like uh, right now, there's a lot of Trump people, and I'm still consider myself in the Trump camp. But uh, the worst, like, there's an argument people are saying is they're like. Oh, I support Donald Trump over DeSantis. And it's like, oh, why? They're like, well, because Donald Trump has a cult of personality. You see, there's a lot of dumb people just they'll just listen to what he says because they're he's got a cult of personality. And you're sitting thinking, like, uh what you know, is this thing on? Like, are you supposed to are, you know, shouldn't you take me over to the side? Just like what what do you, what the hell do you mean? Why would you say that? You're supposed you like you you're not supposed to say it. you're supposed to say like oh because you know he's like either you you're sort of taken in by the you you wouldn't you wouldn't say oh he's got a call to personality you would say like oh he's so great you know he's so wonderful what what have you heard that yeah what the hell is that well it makes sense in this in the context of like this is why someone could say to me that. N- Nobody has a chance against him in the primary, and DeSantis doesn't have doesn't have a chance either because he's just too popular, and that's going to make him bulletproof in the Republican primary, which might be true, but that's not really uh, like a virtue in his favor. I just <laughs> no, it's just sort of like a, I don't know what the hell that is. Well, I I know that this primary is going to cause drama because back during the twenty twenty campaign, we had a, a podcast that was like. I forget what it's called, coming to King or whatever, but it was uh, it was uh, it was about Trump's reelect his reelection campaign in 2020, and you had a great line. You go, "This is a monarchist party now," and that was yeah. true in 2020, and this might still be true. But the thing is, what happens if you have a monarchist party when the king screwed up? Yeah, that's a problem at that point. You know, when when the king's lost the mandate of heaven. As as for you know, this will be good for both of them. Yeah, and there's a lot of cope about this. It will be really good. I'm like, if there's not like, if you're a hardliner for either side, then you want a rough primary. You yes. know, you want them to have to sort of outbid each other for how right wing they're going to be to get out of the primary. I was gonna, I don't know. I think you might be disappointed in that regard to some extent, and that I still think there's a strong chance that. I mean, Trump's been running the attack ads against him. We don't, yeah. I mean, I don't watch TV, so I don't see him, but like apparently for months Const- now, yes. non- nonstop Ron DeSantis attack ads. So that'll keep going, but that's already been happening. DeSantis will have his ads, I guess, but I mean, that might be it. Like, I don't think Trump's going to debate him. I mean, maybe he'll get talked into it and we'll see if Trump comes back to social media, just in terms of it being exciting or you know, whatever, uh, we'll see, maybe he will, but I like, that's not a guarantee either. So it could be a lot less interesting than like you're thinking it might be. That's that- disappointing because like, remember they're going to block in more right wing issues. The more they fight, because like mm-hmm. right now, uh, saying left wing stuff, you know, that's, that shouldn't help you when, if they directly fight, I don't know. Trump, I mean, Trump's been Trump's, sure Trump's shit doing a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah Cause, he's, like, cause he's not talking to him. Cause they're not fighting. If they get on a primary stage, I don't think Trump is going to start going to the left. 
Maybe well. I mean, that'd be crazy. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think they're going to get. I. I don't know. I. I hope I'm wrong about this. I truly do, but I don't think Trump will debate him. Everyone clearly wants Donald Trump to be the nominee, right? That has any level of like media or institutional power. So I don't know that. We're, I should. Everyone's an overstatement. A majority of people at that level want Trump to be the nominee. So if Trump doesn't want to debate, no one's going to force him to. Yeah. Uh, especially since there's no Democratic debates this year. I think he's going to keep doing what he's been doing, running the attack ads, which are weird. I mean, his lines of attack are are not from the right. They're actually the complete opposite. It's yeah. uh, somebody tried to make like an ironic joke, like, oh, Donald Trump, the centrist. No, actually, yes, that is correct. He is the the liberal Republican candidate right now. Uh, I mean, that, that could change because none of this is like, – the only thing that matters is how much a politician thinks he needs to respond to his voters, right? Yeah. So, like, right now, Trump clearly thinks that he can take the more liberal position on anything, still win. He might be right because of, because of his name and everything, still win. And that, that either he either thinks that that helps him in the general maybe, which he's wrong if he thinks that, or he's just like, well, I'm just going to do the opposite of what DeSantis does and say stuff that, like, maybe I actually think. You know what I mean? So, like, I mean, the the, I mean, <laughs> what did he come up with this? Like, he, he's been praising Charlie Crist. Uh, he's <laughs> <who's a> de- <laughs> repeatedly saying how great Charlie Crist was at governor. He's uh, this week how great Disney is, right? Like, Ron DeSantis is terrible. Why would he screw up such a great deal with like how you know the wonderful Disney or whatever? Like, so did you see I mean, that I don't shit? Know. Loomer? He's just saying Democrat stuff. Did you see that shit? Loomer was saying. Yeah, I did. You can yeah. go, go for it. Yeah, that I mean, if that is a I don't know if she's working for him. I think that she's not. And she's really upset about that. But uh, she was like the, the worst thing Ron DeSantis has done has sort of used power to get more power. That made me I mean, I was furious. I was like, what the here, let me, let me read what, what do you, you think this is? Laura Loomer, I'd like to remind everyone that Jim Jordan chairs the committee to blah, blah, blah. If Margaret Taylor, uh, if MTG is truly loyal to Trump as she claims after setting him up at Mar-a-Lago, she will publicly push Jim Jordan to have the hearing because Governor Ron DeSantis has abused his power at the expense of Florida taxpayers. So what she was asking for was the Judiciary Committee to investigate Ron DeSantis for... She should look at his numbers. Ron DeSantis just blew it out of the park last election. I mean, it wasn't even close. Fredo made an incendiary point, but he's right. And, and this is why I said this is going to cause drama. People are going to get mad. Some people are going to get mad at us for saying this, but he's right. When he's saying, like, Donald Trump was the centrist candidate in this primary. Because that, and that's not what you expect from the, the monarch and the monarchist party. He is the Republican establishment in this context. Now, what I had heard for months and months was that, like, the old GOP establishment were going to line up behind DeSantis to try to unseat Trump. We're, we're, we haven't even really, we haven't even begun the primary yet, so I'm not saying that's 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 impossible. It's only just begun. Yeah, I, I, I kept pointing this out over and over again and, like, when people were saying, why hasn't DeSantis uh, entered the race yet? Trump, hadn't, Trump didn't enter 2016 until like mid-June 2015. DeSantis is actually coming in like a month or a half a month, whatever, earlier than Trump did. It hasn't even really started yet. So whatever, th- this, this could happen. But right now, he is the establishment. Uh, right. the establishment yeah, I mean, candidate. and not even just, I mean, and, and no, it's broader than even what you're saying. It's like not even just because 
he was the former president and yada, yada, yada. No, I mean, he is like uh, between the two of them. He is closer to the positions held by, say, the Chamber of Commerce to the extent that any of that still is remains with the Republican Party. I mean, most of them are still Democrats, right? Trump is careful to avoid sort of you know, your, your old upper class Republicans. There's not a lot of them left in the party, but to the extent they're left, they they have very strong uh, opinions on these positions that they find embarrassing to the party, right? Like if you're not supportive of LBGTQ stuff, like that's embarrassing to the party or like the stuff that went on with Disney, that's embarrassing mm-hmm. to the party. You know what I mean? Not letting little children be castrated. That's embarrassing to the party. I mean, Trump is the one with all their positions on that. As far as I know, I mean, as far as he's been, oh, abortion, that's the other one. That's embarrassing if you, mm-hmm. like, uh, if you have a ban abortion. Trump, power. I mean, Trump himself said that recently. He was ex- he, Exactly. That's my point. I mean, Trump uh, parroted those guys' positions perfectly. He's saying, like, yeah, we're way too extreme on abortion. Uh, that's his big thing, right? I mean, that was his big thing right after the, what was it, the 2022 elections? So, I mean, he is taking all of those positions. That's where he's at right now. I mean, that's not even really like a subjective thing. That's just like objectively true, uh, you know, just between the two candidates. There was an argument before, I don't know, the last month or two, which was that DeSantis might not want to run in 2024. You might want to just chill out and go in at 2028 and avoid a conflict with, with President Trump and, you know, get his blessing to run next time. For whatever reason, and, and to me, this feels like I don't know enough about the in, the in like the inside baseball of, of primary politics. But Trump blasting these attack ads against DeSantis for like a for it's been longer than a month, right? It's been a while. He's been doing this for a while before he actually declared. Kind of seems like it took that option off the table for Ron DeSantis. You might have liked to have done that if you were DeSantis, maybe, but you can't after he he's done. He's already said that he he's, he's already attacking you. Like you're never you're never going to get his uh his seal of approval in 2028. It's like you, at this point, why not? If, if the guy's already campaigning against you, why not? Well, your hat and ring? well, I mean, so, uh, Hillary Clinton called Obama the N word during their, their primary. <laughs> and he made her the, uh, <laughs> he made her the, um, secretary of state. So these people are politicians. Those things can be tied up now. Well, so- I'm talking strategically. I'm not saying like on a personal level, I'm saying like strategically running his attack ads against them before he actually started for running is like you made it so he's got he's he's gonna run now. Uh, I got you. I got you. Maybe maybe Trump's campaign wanted this to happen. Maybe they wanted a primary. He did great in the Republican primary in 2015. That really helped him out. Yeah. Okay. So uh, to defend Trump, so here's the so the problem with like defending these guys, it's like the it's it's what we were talking about earlier with Sabbath and, and Metallica. Although the problem is here, they're both running for the same office, but in reality. They're just, they have different things going on. So the thing about DeSantis is DeSantis is sort of an awesome politician. He really is. I mean, I, I don't, maybe I live in Florida and maybe that, that just makes me the reason why no, I think no, that, but like, that's not it. No, you're right. He he's is. just like, uh, first off, like the, the election bill he signed is the most important thing of all, because let me tell you, uh, neither of these guys are going to get elected. Uh, and we need to do a stream about that later, by the way, I need to, I, I meant to read that out tonight but like we've been talking about this before and there's no reason to do it yet until i get an answer on this so i'm gonna post i guess i'll post this on twitter tonight but um we were i was gonna do a stream where what we did was that we went state by state and we looked up their rules for ballot harvesting which by the way 
don't know if you saw, <laughs> but people are talking about the number one right wing ballot harvester. He doesn't get a nickel. Nobody is giving him any money. I saw that. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> we got all these podcasts about patriots that will tell you this that uh that's not good that's not how uh that's not good um he should be involved in uh, a patronage okay so he should be getting paid for that and since he's not um i can tell you there's a lot less of guys like him than there are on the left and they're gonna kill on this not not least of which that which by the way when you look up these different rules like um california has rules on how you get paid for for ballot harvesting <laughs> you know what i mean like it's illegal to ballot harvest in florida california it's like uh they have a minimum wage right right you, <laughs> you, you have x dollars per ballot right bring in that's it that, by the way that's it it's um it's that you can't charge per ballot you have to charge like on by the hour <laughs> yeah so these the people commission, are, you gotta be hourly here yeah. right so these people are awesome at this and they, like whatever states use the covid voting rules are going to go for the democrats one of the reasons why i didn't want to do this yet is because many of the states i found the statute and it don't really say much at all it just doesn't really say shit it doesn't like like california says yes this is awesome florida says no you can't do this. You basically in Florida, you can take uh, uh, like a family member's ballot in your hand, and that's like I think that's the main thing that that sort of the way this works is that um, if you ban people from sort of transporting ballots that aren't theirs and aren't their family member, there's no ballot harvesting. Now it's a little bit more complicated than that because you can like like you can like literally like bring ballots. You can in fact, if you don't do like and this get this is sort of like this matters for the, for the numbers, right? So like if you don't do signature check, then you can literally just mail in ballots for people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There is a via media too, where there are some States that you can do it for more than just family members, but one individual like can't harvest more than 10 ballots or some, you know what I mean? Right. And this is all that matters now, because the thing is like, um, well, it, it, I don't want to get into it. But anyways, I need to get an answers for what these what these states mean. I'm going to post their I'll post their statute and see if people can because like, I don't know what it means. Yet. Maybe maybe nobody knows. Maybe nobody knows what this means yet. But I guarantee you, um, there's a lot of there's a lot at stake in these elections and um, people are going to do whatever they can. But anyways, the only reason why. Donald Trump could win Florida is because he signed those bills. That's really important. You know, when we had all that stuff about remember when, uh, whatever the last race riot thing was happening where they would have these people block the road. Remember that they blocked the road on this woman in, in New York and it was this mm -hmm. big thing. You know, he signed this bill that made it so you can, if people block the road, you can run them over like months before that happened months. Yeah. We, there was just no problem. We like, Oh, like when I saw these stories, like, ah, well, I'm for whatever. I can just run them over. Who cares? doesn't matter so he's just been awesome legislation he sort of got he's sort of doing sort of like stuff that people on the distant right have been talking about for 10 years like so he's finally putting it into place like um taking over this university and all this shit maybe my brain is warped because i'm in florida i'm in here in propaganda but i don't think so the other thing is i i know less people that, that work for desantis but the people i know are all solid solid gold by the way i know less of them though now when you go to trump every person i know and I know people that have worked for Trump. They're all the best people, just like the people that know for dissent. I know more of these people. And so that's something that like, if you're listening to this, you know, I'm being affected by my personal relationship there. I really am. I know more people work for Trump. And like, I'm thinking like, gosh, they're going to work for him and they're going to get in the White House and they're going to do awesome things. But that's like, 
That's because I, you know, I know them. That's not, I don't, that's, that makes me a bad arbiter. The other thing that DeSantis doesn't have that Trump has, and I'm, and is that just Trump is individually rich. So he's rich. Mm -hmm. He's got all this money. So he doesn't need any money. And he's kind of crazy. He sort of does ridiculous things. And like, that's important. The final thing that I think is very important that sort of that Trump should put on the belt or whatever is that he had a very, very good presidency in terms of you, there's not a lot of things that, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of complicated as far as the things that you have choices over, but uh, he made very, very good choices in terms of foreign policy, except for hiring the mustache man. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I agree on the foreign policy part anyway. Yeah. We president. best foreign policy president of my life. Yeah. Cause he didn't, cause he, like, uh, this, this isn't an insult. Like he didn't do anything foreign policy wise. And I don't mean like he didn't do anything literally. I mean, he didn't start new wars. That right. was, was kind of, it's kind of uh, unprecedented for recent presidents. And he, the, he, he the, tried to draw us out of Afghanistan, but the Pentagon fucking lied to him about it. Right. The and, shorthand, and, the shorthand for that is that he kept us out of Syrian civil war. Yeah, and that, and, that wasn't easy. And look, in our lifetimes, this Trump president was the only time that we, like the, the, Working and middle class actually had it better than the upper class, like pr progression wise, not as a whole. Like we 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 made, we gained back ground for the first time ever in in, uh, in our lifetimes. You can't overlook stuff like that, right? So you know, well, this thing is this is like DeSantis has no ability to compete on this. But you know, so I don't know Stephen Miller, but Stephen Miller has the same kind of thing. Like in my mind, you know, if you put Stephen Miller in charge of immigration. That's awesome. He's going to do good things. He's like very fired up about this. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I don't, maybe DeSantis have as, as a guy, but I just don't know the guy. It's a huge mixture though. Like there's, there's guys like Miller, but then there's also just like Brooke Rollins too. Right. Like, yeah. so it's, uh, it's all over the place. Both, I wouldn't tell both you guys tear up everything. I just said, I mean, I'm serious. Well, well, this okay. is an I important mean, debate. So for the foreign policy question, absolutely agree with you one hundred percent. We and I guess as I said, we had we made some ground back. The thing that Donald Trump is worst at picking personnel, and he showed that over and over again. And that's a big issue when you're president, because that's one of the most important things that you do is you delegate authority to other people. And he didn't do that very well at all. We can name some like Rince Priebus. That's a real bad one. Yeah, Mustache Man, or or like you know the myriad of <laughs> of. People who shibbed him in the back immediately. Yeah. But he also got rid of people like Sessions. Like, By the way, his vice Sessions? president, Se yeah. Sessions was a huge L. That was a huge L. What was that? Sessions. You want the real uh, answer? Uh, uh, also, oh, who was the, the general that he got rid of? He, he wouldn't even Flynn? defend him against the weakest bullshit. Oh, yeah, Flynn. Yeah, there you go. I mean, if you want the real answer why this happens is because he likes flatterers. That's it. If you kiss his ass and it works for him in the moment, he'll he'll like you. If he's pushed slightly, he'll he'll throw you under the bus no matter how loyal you were to him, and he'll replace you with somebody who's completely disloyal but kisses his ass. <laughs> See, this is this is the absolute worst. Like this is the worst quality for for an executive too. By the way. By the way, you know Hitler's uh, Hitler's version of Trump's son-in-law was this guy named Bormann. You ever heard of him? Yeah. Uh, Hitler sort of went crazy, like uh, like during the very end, like a, a week before he died or whatever. Like he went crazy and he said, "I don't care anymore. I give up." Blah blah blah. 
like I relinquish command. This is all over. This is bullshit. Like he, he sort of, he had a mental breakdown. This might've been in that movie. I haven't seen that movie. Downfall, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so they, they sent out guys and they went for the second command. They sent they sent for Goring. They told Goring that Hitler's relinquished command. So he wrote this letter and he says, he wrote this letter. He says, well, I, if you've relinquished command, then I accept command. I'll be in charge of the Reich, etc." Um, and so Hitler had sort of a momentary thing about that. So Goring mailed in the thing. He didn't know any different. Uh, Borman got this letter and then he went to Hitler and, he, and Borman always hated Goring. He goes, uh, Goring's trying to start an insurrection. It, you know, he would totally lied about this. He's like, Goring's trying to start an insurrection. Let's stop him. And of course, Hitler was like, God damn, what are we going to do? Sorry. Uh, GD, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? And he was like, he was, and he always just was hovering around Hitler, kissing his ass. And he was sort of like basically running, like halfway running things. And he was just supposed to be Hitler's secretary. He wasn't no nobody. You know what I mean? This that moment, you know, when you're in your bunker, that's when people have that last chance to settle scores. Uh, you mentioned the guy—I forget the guy's name—the guy that was banging out Ava Braun's sister. Was she? He married her eventually. Fe- okay, yeah, Fagelon. And I, yeah. I, I think I mixed him up. I don't think he got sent to the Eastern Front. I think. No, by they, the way, he, he got wasn't shot. He, oh. <laughs> they killed like he got he got killed in the Fuhrer bunker like one day before before the end. Right. Yeah. I I think there was another guy that got sent to the Eastern Front, and he was. You know what? That story was even funnier. I mixed up the stories. So that story, Hitler was. You know, like in the movie. I haven't seen the movie, but Hitler's pointing to things on a map. Right. Right. He's like he's like okay, we're gonna go here. We're gonna go here. We're gonna do. He, and he tells this guy, one of his generals. He says, "All right, I want you to take up." Uh, he says, um, uh, "He says I want you to get rid of uh, that fly right there." There's literally a fly on top of the map, mm-hmm. and um, that guy says, "Oh," he says, and he makes a joke that like, "Well, uh, I'm sure I can't touch that fly. I'm sure you'll have to you'll have to call the Luftwaffe. You have to call Goring to deal with that." He's just making a joke. And Hitler had him sent to the Eastern Front for this bad joke. It's <laughs> a pretty good joke, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, well, I can't do anything. You have to send the Luftwaffe. It's a fly. Um, yeah. So, so back to the issue at hand. He's not good at picking personnel. That's, that's a big problem. Some people are convinced it's going to be it's going to be when it's corrected that he's learned this lesson from getting betrayed by everybody in 2020, and he's going to be punished, Trump or whatever. I see no reason to believe that. <laughs> That's a real cult of first time. That stuff, that stuff sounds like women in the South say about their ex-husband that you know took a swig at him or whatever. If, if that was true, he would be saying the opposite of what he's saying now. He would be going to the right saying, I'm gonna, you know, he's not doing that. He He's moving towards the center, which is admittedly, if you want to win the primary and you're trying to position yourself as like the the you know the more the more moderate the well the, the big thing right now they're saying is that he's got a better chance against Joe Biden than Ron DeSantis which if you're if you're going by polls in May of 2023 I'm sure that's objectively true I'm sure it is because of course Trump's the most famous politician in America he was the president of the United States he still has a huge loyal following if you take a poll and you ask them he's going to have more support against Biden the question is is that actually going to pan out in reality when November 2024 comes and like I think that's this is just opinion I think that's ridiculous and, and part of this winning election is going to be lawyers yeah, lawyers that- and just like un in, like very boring strategy stuff like having the right people in the right districts to monitor what's going on and just like ballot harvesting stuff all this stuff that he doesn't care about at all and like when 
I say that people will be like, well, it's not his job to care about it. It's supposed to be the people that he hires. And it's like, yeah, no shit. But you have to know enough and care enough about it to hire the right people to do that. You know what I mean? Like, yes. th- and he doesn't. You know what I mean? And it's not like, look, I voted for him enthusiastically in 2016. I was one of the I was the, I, I was the first in real life person I know that said I was voting for him in the primary when that was still considered a joke. Right. In 2015. So it's not like I don't I didn't like his message or I didn't think he had a lot of potential, like to the extent that yeah, I might seem critical. It's actually just based on the fact that I'm disappointed. Right. In the way things went. Yeah, because he, he had a lot going for him in 2017 until the midterm elections, and he didn't do anything with that. And But, you know, that, that's that's a minor complaint. That happens to a lot of presidents. Here's what's not a minor complaint. And this, okay, again, gird your loins. In 2020, he lost the mandate of heaven twice. His rea- his reaction to the bat flu, he cucked to Fauci. And, and you know, it, it's funny. He, he's kind of oscillated between attacking Ron DeSantis for being too anti-lockdown and then too pro-lockdown, which is pretty funny. He, he cucked to them, and he, he went along with that, even though it <laughs> dis- destroyed his chances of, of remaining president and fucked the country up. Have you and, seen the Trump people that are saying that Florida was locked down? Yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I was here. I, I, I was here. It wasn't. I mean, it's just... It's just you just, if there's if there's going to be a contentious primary, and by the way, there might not be. There could be one primary election, and he blows the doors off of DeSantis, and and DeSantis drops out, and it's over. But if it is extended, it's going to be you're going to see things that just these pe- these people who they're going to just lie. This is what people would do in in political primaries. So uh, let's say Trump he cucked he cucked on COVID, or sorry, cucked on bat flu, and then he <laughs> the election got stolen, and he also he cucked there too. And, and I forgive him for that because that's a real crossing the Rubicon moment. You're either gonna you're either gonna do something way out there and def- and defend yourself, or you're just gonna concede. But the thing is, if you concede, you kind of have to just go home <laughs> and stay home because you just you said you're not willing to do it. You're not willing to take that step. You, know? you also you also missed an early one too. He made a huge mistake very very early when like. Forgetting, I'm not even talking. We talked about the loyalty aspect of this already, but the the getting rid of Jeff Sessions just in terms of like what it foretold for him being able to accomplish anything. Do you know what I mean? For yeah. over his term, and then using you know when you first get elected, you have all this political capital, and what did he use it for? To do any of the stuff that he was voted in to do? No, he used it for Paul Ryan tax yeah. cuts. Yeah, so, and, and, yeah, yeah, that's a huge mistake. But like, that's you know, he's not the first guy to, to make that mistake. But yeah, that, that's a, that's a problem. So he kind of threw away the mandate of heaven. And who's his who's his opponent? He's a guy who's an executive of a, of what's Florida, the third largest state, right? It's third, California and Texas. Yeah, Cal, so behind California and Texas, he's taken it from he won a shoestring election in what 2018 against Andrew Gilliam. And he's now like the king of Florida. He's locked down the state so tight that basically the Democratic Party doesn't doesn't exist in Florida right now. He's done nothing but use his political power to do exactly what his constituents want. He he wields his power in extremely effective ways. You talked about already how he's he changed the the campaign the, the election laws. He's going after the Disney Corporation. Just the other day, the NAACP issued a travel advisory that 
people should avoid Florida because it's just so right wing. It's it's dangerous to your personal being to travel there. Uh, they they they're canceling pride parades in Florida this year because of his because of his laws uh, against his anti grooming laws. If you're a conservative person, when's the last time you saw a politician who was this effective on the state level? Maybe in my mom's lifetime, way back in like the sixties and seventies. We haven't seen it in our lifetimes ever. He's really good at wielding political power and using state power to get what he wants. In Birmingham, they love the governor. Yeah, so you have that aspect. He's really good at using state power. And here's what annoys me about this is because I remember when we first started doing this podcast, and before that on Twitter and stuff, but there was this big thing about will to power. Do you remember this meme that went around? People wouldn't just shut up about Nietzsche and will to power, right? Yeah. You got to want it more. You gotta want to enforce your will on people, and that's the thing that changed that separates the men from the boys. Yeah. So here's this guy who's he's just a walking a walking conservative id, right? He's just going around swinging his dick. He's being too harsh on abortion doctors. Yeah, exactly. What's the complaint here? You don't you don't you don't like that now? All these the, all the all the will to power guys hate DeSantis now, even though he's doing the exact thing and. and you remember, I, I made fun of them at the time when they were talking about the will to power stuff. Because it was, it's just fake. And you can tell it's fake because now they have no use for somebody who actually puts these things into practice. They want the meme guy. And, this is the, here, and here's the bottom line, the difference between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And I'm not telling you that Ron DeSantis, if he became president, would be a great president. Because you don't know. People have a, a, a tendency to, to talk a big game when they run for president and then do nothing. But if you go by their records since, you know, they both entered office, Ron DeSantis does big things and, you know, his his media presence is relatively subdued. Donald Trump had a huge, larger-than-life media presence, and when he exercised his power, it was very subdued. His bark is a lot bigger than his bite, and DeSantis is the other way around. I don't see. I, I don't understand why anybody would choose Trump over DeSantis in the in the twenty twenty four primary. I just don't see it. I'm sorry. Well, we'll let that be the last word. If we got some other stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, somebody in chat said like they don't. They you know he he's, he's gay, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you don't like the way he talks. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Trump definitely has. The, Trump's been on TV like how long? Forty years. Uh, Trump obviously has this insane swagger and stuff like that. Although, you know, that's not exactly the same thing as ruling. I mean, it, it matters. It certainly matters. I mean, I think that's why he's going to win. Of course, uh, Trump, Trump is, is, is sort of this phenomenon. Uh, he's insanely charismatic in a way that most politicians are not. It's, it's important. It's, it's not everything you can, you can definitely be charismatic and not do shit. And you you could do a lot and not be charismatic. That's like the um, it, it is everything when it comes to democratic politics. Like I don't mean democratic party, you know, democracy. Like getting elected is is about charisma. Nah, I mean, so you can you can scheme your way. You can like so Joe Biden. You know, he's sort of like, you know, paying off this guy and paying off this guy, and you know, right. you you can win without charisma. You know, you you got to use your you got to use whatever gifts you have. I was thinking about this the other day because um uh that governor of Virginia, I don't think yeah. I might have said this last week. But anyways, he was talking about being Ronald Reagan instead, and it's like you can't be Ronald Reagan. Like Ron, like Ronald Reagan, like Ron, Ronald Reagan's strategies work if you're like John Wayne Jr. Like that's a, that's a huge part of being like a huge part of being 
uh, Ronald Reagan is being like insanely charismatic, like top. Like if you're a Hollywood star back then, back when they had all these stars and you're still like, remember that they have a lot of people they could have put in a movie back then. A lot of very charismatic people, a lot of war heroes. Like you're, you're competing against like Audi Murphy, you know, to be the cowboy. You got to be pretty damn charismatic. And so, you know, like different, it's sort of like, you know, it's like in war, different, different generals, they have different abilities and you know you could you can succeed a lot of different ways but you probably can't be uh 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 him trump might can you know a lot of ways he is kind of similar i'll just say this about reagan you know yeah another guy talked a big game and then when he got in the power reagan came in with like an insane giant uh, dick swinging election where he had as close to total power as you can possibly have, and what he do with it? Money, money on the. You put a camera on him, and he was money. Yeah, he was never exactly. lost for words, and just killed it on the camera. He was, he was awesome. Same thing as Trump. Yeah. Well. Well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he took our damn automatic guns. Yeah, and 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 he used his power to to do nothing for us, and and it, like you could make the argument. That Reagan was like the last best. Uh, someone else made this point recently on on Twitter. I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, but it's just like people elected Reagan to get rid of the civil rights regime. That had, it hadn't. It wasn't entrenched at that point. It was pretty. It was relatively new. It was less than 20 years old. And people elected him to get rid of that. And he didn't touch any of that. He simply he basically he reinforced that and 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 went another way. Yeah. There was a thing where they they sort of uh, there was an amnesty in there too, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really care for that. <laughs> I, who knows the way this primary is going to go? It's going to it's going to get dirty. I know that for sure. It's all. I mean, it's already getting kind of nasty, and and there's only one candidate officially. Oh, uh, you were. Part. By the way, you're right. DeSantis set to announce 2024 presidential bid tomorrow. He, he announced he, tonight he's going to announce tomorrow. So it's. Sorry, I've got some Hitler news. <laughs> some breaking Hitler news. Man accused of ramming U-Haul into barriers near White House praised Hitler after his arrest. <laughs> yeah, but he's Indian, so that's you know, they do that. They're Aryan brothers. <laughs> They're, they're these weird, like, people name restaurants after Hitler in India and stuff like that. You see, yeah. it was a long-time meme. You know, he might, he, might just, he might just admire him for other reasons. Yeah. The other day, um, <laughs> Shoe on Head had a post about um, some crazy influencer that had a bunch of swastikas everywhere and stuff. And I just, you know, as a, I, I just snuck my way in there and just replied, it's a Hindu symbol for peace. <laughs> just so i could i had like you know tons of replies telling me uh, they these people were breaking down like which way it's turned which way the swastikas turn and where the dots are at yeah by the way yes yes thank you repost twitch for saying that so repost twitch is good old boy slowly turning into 90s history channel based yeah nice. let me tell you like um so i grew up like sort of sitting in the living room with my grandpa watching watching the hitler channel mm-hmm and we just talked about Hitler and U-boats and and Midway and Spitfires and battleships and Hellcats. 
that's all we did. So I I remember in middle school I got in not in trouble but like I, I annoyed the, the history teacher. He kept, like he was teaching us about World War Two and like you know the the U boat campaign against the United States after we entered the war. Damn. He, he was talking about how yeah there were U boat attacks off of New York and whatever, and I got raised my hand. I was like, how did the boats get all the way from Germany to the United States? He's like, oh well they. They, they, you know, they, they refueled them with other submarines, and then I raised my hand again. I was like, I just kept asking questions about this, like really, like like autistic child questions about. You know, so how how did the, how did the German U boats do this? Like, do do you know like what what was the gauge of the? Yeah. And he was finally he's like, you got to stop asking me questions about this, please. Yeah. We we got more stuff to get to. It's perfectly fine. This is what you're supposed to. Uh, my, yeah. uh my favorite, my favorite sort of radio personality ever. Everybody knows is uh, Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla has this has this game <laughs> where he he asks he there's he's got a several versions of this. One of them he asks women for to name any World War II airplane. So like like a woman will call the show and she'll be pretty smart. And he'll ask her to name any one, and like they never know, right? But and then, like so, whenever he does that, the next caller will be a guy. Like you know, he's calling his calling love line because he's got a ward on his on his scrotum or something like that right and the call will finish up and be like hey uh can you name uh an airplane in world war ii the guy's like and, and it's every single 13 year old male that calls it like oh you mean spitfire 109 me262 you know they know every single one the other one he says is that who were who was on the axis in the allies and like it could be the most brilliant woman and they never know they never know <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just different. If your guy, you just, uh, I mean, World War II, we're never going to get anything like that for a long, long time. I won't rehash the story because I'm, I'm almost, I told, I, I told you guys the story about the, when I got charged with war crimes in middle school, right? I think I told that on the, po- the story on the podcast. Didn't I? No, I don't remember this. Oh, oh, this is, gr- this is great. This is themed. Okay. So in, in eighth grade, whatever we did, our social studies class did the thing like we're, we did our unit on. Uh, I don't think it was specifically on the Holocaust. It was just like like only on World War Two and war crimes and stuff, right? And we all got broken up into groups. And it was a group project. It's like the first group project I ever really had to do in school. And my friend and I were put in a group with two people who really weren't pulling their weight in the group. And we uh, we, we we made this known to them. And our behavior got so aggressive that the teacher took us aside and then she put two desks in front and put us on trial for war crimes. <laughs> like the, as students, we had in this class had to vote on our, our fate. And she was like, the, the accusation was like that we were disruptive, whatever. Anyway, uh, we, we were found guilty of. of, did of you, after the verdict was read, did you bite into a cyanide capsule? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We were found guilty, and our punishment was we had to sit on like opposite ends of the classroom in the corner and do a group project alone, solo. You each had to fly solo on a group project, and this was our punishment, right? But the the project was about World War Two, and we were like teenage boys, mm-hmm. so we both got like a hundred and ten percent. We got everything, everything like the maximum score you could get because of of like in. You know, being accused of like being a war criminal when you're uh, 
you're 12 years old is, is also awesome. So it was like the, all, the ultimate all-time backfire. As far as public school teachers go, like I, I looking back, I, I really I like that teacher. That was the I don't think the teacher would make that move today, right? Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't give Nuremberg treatment to twelve year olds to make a point. <laughs> yeah. I was I had a teacher once and I was dating his daughter. And <laughs> what? Yeah. And um, he was he was the smart guy. He was kind of. Anyways, I remember. I, so we had two reports to do that year, and I did. And it's kind of like remember I'm I'm like I'm I'm like I have no, I'm like an animal. I have no sort of like, uh, I'm not really sort of reviewing my actions and things like that. I'm just sort of doing stuff that feels good. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I'll do a report. And I remember I did one report on white supremacists. And like it was just like completely non-judgmental, and it was just like this huge report about, and I mean like, I mean white supremacists in the old fashion. So like literally terrorists, um, prison gangs, and stuff like that. And I and it was just like, and I went super deep into the, uh, into like the um, back then they had like one of the common things that, that all these these groups had like Aryan nations and stuff. Is you would do the thing that like, and then maybe they still do, but like all the black groups do this now that they do. Um, we were the real Jews, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like all of them, they would do that and stuff. Anyways, I went super deep, but there was just like it was just like I just talked about these groups for like this. The second paper was even worse. The second paper, I did a racial analysis <laughs> of people based on. The cars that the country that their country produces. Based. <laughs> so I was talking about. So I, so I was like, look, you, you to understand an Italian, you have to understand a Ferrari or a Lamborghini and all this kind of stuff. And like, <laughs> like he says, little little sailor. <laughs> yeah. And, and these were just like I, I I don't know what I was watching, what I was reading, but I mean, these were just like the things that would just immediately came to me. You know what I mean? Did you get in trouble for this? No, I got a, I got a, he loved the paper about the races and their, and their cars. I mean, he loved that. I mean, he said, I'm dating this guy's daughter. I don't know how they got feels about that. Obviously I'm not, I don't know how, you know, I'm, um, I didn't go to Harvard. You know what I mean? So, uh, I don't know how he felt about that, but I mean, he stayed up class. He talked how much he loved that. And like, uh, yeah, because there was death. Yeah. Sorry. There was no, I just wish shit. I remember which way I went on that because uh, I uh, about like, uh, you know, the German is like the, you know, Mercedes, the Volkswagen Italian is a lot like the, the Lamborghini or the Ferrari and all this kind of thing. There was definitely And the Irish shit. is like, I don't know, a bicycle or uh, walking <laughs> shoes. <laughs> uh, breathalyzer interlock. <laughs> Sorry. Right, there, was, there was a shift at some point in, in well, it, it well, I guess it's not at some point. It's probably like the early 2000s. Like I remember when I was in grade school in like fifth grade or whatever. I wrote we had we did, did like this writing assignments and like I wrote an assignment about like uh, shooting people at school. Right? It was a joke. It was like my uh -oh. friends and they're like ah oh, shot my friend you know whatever and nobody cared. It was like the teacher didn't care. It's like yeah, this is this is weird but okay. And no, like nobody got concerned about that. But if you did that today, like you would, you would get, you catch federal charges, right? Yeah. Like if you if you if you, if you do a finger gun, you can get arrested. That, or you go to a school where nobody cares, and instead, like you, you have a clear backpack and shit like that. 
Yeah, it's the stuff like you. Like, if you you would definitely get in trouble for the the history of white supremacy or the <laughs> racial profiling based on the auto manufacturers. Somebody yeah. would have something to say about that today. It's a shift that I don't know when it happened exactly, but it's it, it, there was some point it did happen. The the funniest thing that was in that report, and I don't remember if I got in the, if it was if I put it in that report or if it was something I read, but. And, and this was back when like, um, and they may still have this, but like back in the day, like the SPLC website was just like this super detailed thing about these like prison gangs and like, yeah. like terror white, white, like these groups weren't like, like Richard Spencer. These like, these were guys that like made bombs and they had compounds and machine guns. And like, I, I don't know. It just had like this, this must sound crazy if you're like a zoomer or something, you know what I mean? Because like now, like uh, you know, Bernie Sanders is a white supremacist or something. Back then, you had to be like you had to be like uh, dealing meth and like you had to be making. You moves. had special tattoos. Your head was shaved. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. It was, it was, and a lot of it too at that time was was something you just did. I mean, you didn't even have to believe it that deep. You did it because you needed protection in jail. Like you know yeah. what I mean? There was that. There was also like um, uh. Like uh, I, the guys like in England, I, this wasn't in my report, but like the guys in England that were like punks, you know, this like skinhead, not yeah, as skinheads. a prison gang. Yeah. yeah. Skinhead, not as a prison gang, but like as a, I don't know, like being goth or something. Yeah. Subculture. Yeah. Yeah. That like, I don't know. It just has no bearing in, t- in today, I guess. I, you would think these guys would be like big guys now on Twitter and stuff, but they, they don't really. All that stuff is just kind of gone. I, I, well, I think they're still around. It's just that, see, I think they just don't, I, I think they're around the same way they always were. But the, the difference is like, so this these were never like a large numerical, large number of people, right? Mm-hmm. And in the past, they would be on TV and stuff just because it was outrageous. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it was like Maury Springer type stuff, or Maury Springer. I just mixed two of them, but you know what I mean? Uh, type stuff. But the thing is, today, I think they intentionally don't put that kind of stuff in the media for the outrageousness content, and they're not that large in number. And the reason I don't think they put that for the for the content is because they're they're dedicated to a narrative that, like, you know, they don't want to portray white supremacy in that way because they want to portray it as the mainstream ruling ideology that everyone has to fight against. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right. Like if you say Tucker Carlson is a white supremacist and a white supremacist means a guy in the Aryan nations with like nine felonies, or whatever, that doesn't make any sense. Right. You can't say exactly. You can't say Tucker Carlson is a white supremacist. And at the same time, 20 minutes later in the newscast, do a story about white supremacists where they're like, you know, living in a compound, making bombs, connections in prison. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And um, the the craziest thing that I saw when I was looking at all this stuff was that um, uh, in in Las Vegas, the Aryan Nations and one of these guys, and the this is the, the Farrakhan guys, Nation of Islam, Nation of Islam. They did a tag team bombing on a synagogue. It's like the, the you know the, the epic handshake memes. <laughs> Yeah, Lindy, Lindy though wasn't there that scene from the '60s where Malcolm X was did some stuff with the that was the, the American Nazi Party or something? That was what was that guy? 
not Lindbergh or no. Uh, <laughs> I want to say his last name was Rockwell. Yeah. No. By the way, Lindbergh was sort of uh, he admired a little bit of Nazi stuff, didn't he? Charles. Yeah. Lindbergh. I, 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 no, maybe Merrick. Merrick, you probably have the real scoop on this. I know like vague things. Yeah, he he didn't want he didn't want to get involved in World War Two. <laughs> okay, well that in, in now so that now, means, now he's a Nazi basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the other cool thing about Lindbergh was like um like so he wasn't in the military, right? Uh, he might have. Well, in World War II, he was in the military. He he, he joined he joined the military after World War II started. Oh, okay. Well, they wouldn't. So, like, he went over to like uh to to, like he was like the greatest pilot or whatever. So he went over there and he was giving lessons, piloting lessons, and teaching guys that were fighting in the Pacific. And he and at some point he's like, "You should let me. You should let me get out there on 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 a mission." (laughs) You know what I mean? He's like, uh, I know I'm just here to give you guys lessons, but like you should really let me See out. What there. happens? Yeah, yeah. And they did, and he got a bunch of kills and shit. Was, that's pretty awesome. Be like, could you imagine today? Be like, they take like um, some great, like a guy that does the Red Bull uh, aeronautic stuff, and he goes and visits. Because by the way, this stuff happens. Like I know with shooting, um, guys like Jerry Mitchellick, they give lessons to like real military guys on shooting, right? Well, they do. That is like great civilian shooters because you know they they do stuff like uh, Olympics and three gun. They'll give they'll have them go give lessons to military guys, and like, but you could you imagine being like a great, uh, you know, uh, pilot trainer or something like that? Total civilian. You go visit the guys. You're like, you should let me get on an F sixteen. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and in the give analog, me a and in the analog era, especially like, you know, you might just like the other way. It would if if you put a if you put like you know the Lindbergh today in a you know F F sixteen or whatever it would be harder because you have the avionics to deal with. That really wasn't an issue. <laughs> then. There was no like there was no uh, you don't have to learn how to how the sidewinders work. No, you don't need to do that. You just need to know how to fly, and you already know how to do that. Yeah, we just let this random civilian get in a fighter jet and go into combat. I don't, it's just it's just another world. You that's I mean? how that's how almost every that's that's how our air corps started too by the way like people who would just a lot of the like if you look at the stories of a lot of the aces american aces and crop dusters yeah or just guys who were young and they got and they got into flying for whatever reason and if you had flying experience when world war ii rolls around uh we talked we talked about this with uh, the former military guy well I briefly talked to him about it, you know how many how many americans died in the air war I know that like the Eighth Air Force lost like a hundred thousand people. That was always the number I heard. Hundred thousand. Yeah, I don't know how much we can talk about, but we've been having conversations with like one of the, like one of the the top American fighter pilots, right? I mean, I mean, it's it's a later. I don't know how many. I don't know how much combat he's been in and stuff, but like uh, like a, a serious well, guy. The, the thing is, if you're you could be a top American pilot, and and. If you were, if you're not like Vietnam, if you're if you're not old, old enough to be, have been in Vietnam, you haven't seen combat. Like we, we, it's just a, you know. Or you just didn't like like boy just didn't get a chance to to get into to dogfights and stuff like that, right? Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah, we were talking to him. We were talking, and we were bringing someone brought. I think didn't he bring up the the casualty rate in the Pacific War for the bombers and shit like that? It wasn't the Pacific. It was it was the Eighth Air Force in Europe. And it was, speaking yeah. of which, okay, so. Uh, 
I do want to tell a story from that conversation. So I don't think we can yet say who that, who that, that man is, but it's like, we've been talking to this guy who's like, he really knows his stuff. And he's like a top, uh, obviously he's retired and stuff like that. And, um, we were talking about Boyd, uh, Colonel Boyd. And, um, uh, hopefully if you're listening to this, you, the OODA loop, John Boyd, um, the ghetto Colonel stuff like that. Uh, hopefully if you're listening, if you you're with us that you you've heard us talk about Boyd before, we literally like Boyd. We have a, we have a, a whole show about Boyd. Um, uh, so they said Boyd and I can say this, right, Mary? I, I, yeah, I assume so. Okay. So I, so he tells a story and we were talking about, um, the great pilots in world war two, like crashed a lot of planes. Like the super aces would crash a lot. Yeah. They were they were getting into it. And sometimes they get shot down, sometimes their plane would crash, but they're flying a lot of sorties. They're getting into stuff. And they were sent boy to Vietnam to give them like they weren't doing well in the air war. And they sent him to to this boy, this great, this great strategist of of air war. Like he's like, you know, he's like the button you click in in Hearts of Iron. You click on the air advisor thing. <laughs> It boosts your air superiority by 15%. That's Boyd. And as they send there to give them advice on what's wrong with American strategy in Vietnam, the air war. And he said, you're not crashing enough planes. More people should be crashing planes. More people should be dying. It doesn't want people to be to die, but you know, it's a war. That's a pretty badass thing to say. Yeah. If you're, if you're not, yeah, you're not, you're not getting in the mix. Yeah, yeah, you, you that is what happens. Just gotta want it more. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we got any other stories? Oh, okay. We gotta talk about the damn. Did we? We didn't talk about this the sunshade thing, did we? <laughs> no, no, we didn't. Nope. Well, uh, I can announce we'll be on Oran's show tomorrow, right? Yep. We'll be on Oran's show tomorrow to talk about this. Um, I think we're, I can't remember if we're talking about that or civil rights, but um, there's just one like, I don't get too many layups like this that are so clinical. So obviously I think everything is patronage, but every now and then a story is like, you know, it's, it's so patronage that like, uh, it's sort of like, if you're a feminist, you know, you think everything is patriarchy. Okay. Everything's patriarchy. But then you get a story of like a guy that kills his wife. You're like, well, this is like a really, really illustrative story, right? So my version of that is this sunshade they built in Los Angeles. <laughs> so this story, so they built this thing and it like literally, I think they said the stick was already there. So there was already a pole in the ground and they took like uh, a piece of stamp sheet metal, cut some holes in it and, and tied it to the stick. And they said, this is the sunshade. And they had this huge ribbon cutting ceremony. Like, uh, you know, um, like they built a bridge across. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I had, I had several, like when this happened, when this story happened, I had people messaging me and stuff. They're like, you got to talk about this. And like afterwards I was like, Oh, like when a story like this hits, I should be coming down, a, like a sliding down a fire pole. You know what I mean? To talk about this. And, um, <laughs> because like, just like you look at this and by one of the story, one of the things I put was like, you know, they called Boss Tweed the most corrupt man in American history. And, like, he built the, the Brooklyn Bridge. Speaking of which, 
don't don't ever like everything every single time i say something on twitter you get the the like i got someone saying did you know he didn't actually build the brooklyn bridge <laughs> there was there was like an architect and like bricklayers and shit like that what the hell is wrong with you there's so, yeah, the sunshade america has the shade up there and um <laughs> So this thing costs like I don't know three hundred thousand dollars something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, before they built the shade, they had to send everyone involved in this project on a world tour. They went to Rome. They went to Ar- they went to all the great places. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes, yes. They sent them on a t- on a world tour to all the great destinations. <laughs> you got you got. I mean, you have to admire it, but it's it's gotta make you laugh, right? No, you you do have like the thing is like. Uh, your reaction, like the the thing about the the conservative reaction to this, you should want to stop this. You should want to stop them doing that. Now that's a strange thing, right? Napoleon said, if your enemy's making a mistake, you should let them do it. This isn't a mistake. This is the the left doing politics. This like they get stronger when they do patronage. What 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 are they doing patronage? They're in power. They're taking money. And they're distributing it to their friends. All these people that were involved in this, like the woman that quote unquote designed it, she went to Harvard. You're still thinking like, you don't need somebody that went to Harvard to put a stick in the ground or a piece of metal on the side. No, you do. This woman, I guarantee you right now, she is doing Democrat. She's licking stance for the Democrat party. She's posting. She's doing something to help. Like she'll like for good reason. She should do anything she can to help the Democrat party. And it's going to help her. They have a relationship. And if you're, you should want to stop them from doing this because this is good politics. This is good politics to take money from the general fund and hand and for the Democrats to hand it out their friends. Anyways, the point of this story was that yes, the stick is stupid. Of course it's stupid because it's not the point They're, They don't care about the stick. Who gives an ass about that? They're not riding the bus. By the way, it's in LA in LA. You, you don't, you don't want to, they don't have a subway. You know what I mean? You get, you can need a car. These, none of these people are, are riding the bus. They got a car. They're not staying on there. What they're doing is giving, handing money to their friends. And I don't know. It's just such a classic, classic, classic patronage thing. Yeah, you're taking you're taking public money and you're making a fake project that will do nothing to help anybody. Yeah, it is it is classic patronage. By the way, I mean, I saw people on the right saying, "Well, it's impossible for the right wing to do this." So, well, first off. A lot of the right wing people says, well, they just sort of equated like right wing patrons would just be handing cash money to sort of uh, guys in trailer parks and stuff. That's not that's not like that's not what this is. They didn't hand this money out in the ghetto. They gave this to, to real parents. Like, by the way, like, um, I don't know. If people know. So who's probably like the most the richest dissident right guy? Who's that? That guy, the gay guy, Peter Thiel, Peter Thiel. So Peter Thiel is definitely like in the mix. I don't know if he's directly funding. I mean, I'm not getting any more money. I, you know, <laughs> you can help me out, bro. Um, but um, he's like, he's, he's somewhere in the mix, isn't he? He's funding people and shit like that. I, I heard that he's kind of uh, pulled back on that, but I don't know. If I mean, at least we could say he was two years ago, right? Cause he was, it was yeah. pretty open that he was funding JD Vance and uh, Blake Masters. Right. That's right. That's right. He got, he got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys are kind of like, it, it, he's, he's in the mix. But uh, by the way, he also has like a magazine. He's, I know he funds that Samo Bruja guy. I don't know if he still does or whatever, but um, definitely he's in the mix. Uh, 
he has a lot of government contracts. You know, he's got this 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 sort of algorithm machine or whatever. He sells the Pal- government. Palantir is what it's called. Yeah, there. I believe Palantir, if it's still the case, is the most valuable privately held company in the world. Yeah, yeah. And so this thing, like, and by the way, this 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 machine he's got, it works for like anything. Like any institution can use it. Like if you're, yeah, if you're he sells wa- it to banks and stuff too, not just the government. But yeah, I mean, obviously, the government contract is the keystone to all that. Yeah, like uh, you can use it. Like it, it's sort of like um. It can predict when you'll have service spikes and shit like that. Uh, what I'm saying is, like, if you know, if you're a governor or something, you could definitely get a patron relationship going with this brother. It's not difficult at all. And there you do. There you go. You, you're sort of you're doing patron stuff. And then you know he would have guys he'd have to pay out. And that's how that's how you get the ball rolling. So you, it, it's not it's not hand out checks in in the in the in the in the trailer park. No. Yeah, you, I mean the, you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah. The middleman isn't like you can be handing out checks to people. It can be. It can be. The middleman's more useful for a politician because you like, if you just if you cut if you just cut a check to everybody in the trailer park, this is kind of the, the the classic patronage problem. If you just cut a check to people, that does nothing for you. You can't give each person very much money and they're not doing anything for you other than maybe voting for you. If you give it to your NGO baby army, those people are really motivated, and they and you know they're they're a force multiplier. You, yeah, there's so like there's so many things you could do. So one thing that obviously um, uh, Governor DeSantis has done is that he sort of uh, used like gave vets uh, the ability to become school teachers without uh, without a license. So that's that's a patronage move. But you could even do that more. You could say like. Every school has to have um, a grunt, like a combat veteran from GWAT. They need to hire one on on campus to protect the place. Interestingly, it's interesting you mentioned that it's not quite what you said, but he did do that this last legislative (laughs) session. I didn't know. It's the, I think it's called like the guardians program. So it's like your school district is not mandated to have that on campus, but uh-huh. if you do it, you get funding from the state to do it. Bingo. Bingo. That, that, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, like you do like, well, you, you get a, you get a little bonus, you get something and you like, there's a reason why the left does, uh, you know, you gotta be black and trans and all this. There's a reason like, so I would, you know, like the thing the the tags that make you, Republican are, you know, stuff like being married, stuff like, um, uh, uh, you go to church, uh, go to church. School choice is good for that too. Grunt, male, white. Of course, not all of those. You, you can't, you can't use all of those, but you could use stuff like grunt. You could say like, uh, you ran a combat MOS that would probably put like, if you can, if you, if, if whatever variable you pull out puts you at like, 65% 65% Republican, then, then you're doing good. You're doing good. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how you do it. All those people would be your dudes. We will be, t- yeah, so we're tomorrow, 3, p- uh, 3 p.m. Oh, is it going to be a live stream or is it just going to be a recorded thing? Uh, it's going to be, I think, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a live stream. We're going Hollywood. We're going on Oran's channel. 
Yeah, th- uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard. We're we'll going to be talking about the civil rights civil rights law. That's what we're talking about. So that, that's our thing to shield tonight. Yeah. I, you know, I wish that, like, uh, you know, we get looked at for that a lot. Like, there should be some right-wing civil rights lawyer that's sort of fielding all these questions. I know Hanania is sort of one of these people, but he's not an attorney. Like, for a lot of reasons, that's not, just not the case. I don't even have a freaking college degree. I don't think it's just things a right-wing civil rights lawyer. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the joke I made about Genghis Khan being the number one right-wing city planner. <laughs> what would your right-wing civil rights lawyer just... Uh, I, I'm against it. That, that, Cur- that's his entire field of expertise. Curtis LeMay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We got uh, we, every time I'm poking around on Gumbroker, I don't like this thing has been for sale forever because I think someone is asking too much money for it. But there's a, a special Curtis LeMay edition engraved uh, 1911. It's I forget the company that made it. It's one of the companies that's not around anymore. But it's just like the listing is always titled Curtis LeMay 45. <laughs> that's awesome. My next gun. Uh, two guns, but I've already said one of them is going to be M1 carbine, but that's not right now. You need a lot of freaking money to get M1 carbine. Like these rich guys on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, uh, plebs. Yeah, um, but the other one is uh, a 1911. God, I want a 1911 so bad. That's, that'll be my next one, but I got to figure out how to get the right one. By the way, you, yours is a you have a, a freaking World War II cult, don't you? Yeah, I have a so I have a few. I have a a CMP program, World War II cult. It's a cult. Oh. Sli- it's a cult slide on a Remington Rand frame. Uh, That's a, and it's that nice. Awesome. That's awesome. I, and then I have an original model Colt Combat Commander. Uh, so I'm actually, in terms of actually shooting, I mean the the government is beautiful and it's the original, but I actually like the Commander. Uh, it's the the Commander is four and a quarter length barrel instead of five is the government. So I was, and they're generally nine millimeter, but not always. I was so pleased that you got that because uh, I was worried that you were going to go all in on um, Italian guns and. If you're American, you have to love cult. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful too. It's it's got. So I I learned a story about this recently. The reason they don't they the cult makes a combat commander today, but it doesn't look like the old model. It has mm-hmm. an entirely different hammer and uh, like grip safety on the back. And the reason for that is apparently the like the model I have. The hammer is exposed when it's cocked. It reaches back over the grip safety. This is not generally an issue that like I would worry about carrying it in condition one, but apparently at some point, I think it was an LEO situation. Someone was rappelling down the side of a building and they dropped their combat commander and like one, one in a million shot. <laughs> it landed from however many stories it was square on the hammer. So mm-hmm. it shore off the top of the sear, the hammer smacked the firing pin and it went off. Nobody got hurt, but like, you know, that yeah. is why they don't make the the combat commander with that grip safety anymore. Can you explain? I don't know if you know this, but I've heard that no shotgun is drop safe. Is I actually true? don't know. I don't know enough about shotguns to know the 
the answer to that. But what I will say is no gun is drop safe, right? In other words, guns have strong points or weak points in terms of their relative drop safety to other guns. And that's because, so for instance, I'll, I'll give you the example, right? Uh, if well, I've you, heard Glock people claim that you could drop a Glock off the Empire State Building and it wouldn't fire. I mean, that uh, that may be true. I don't know the answer to that, but it's all about exactly where the gun hits. Maybe so not the Sears Tower. Yeah, there you go. Or, or honestly, the precise way and it hits. So that with a Glock, the issue with a Glock and a, a striker pistol like that, where the striker is not fully cocked at rest, it's you don't want something that's going to land square, not like literally on the butt, but like on the, what we would call on a hand. I don't know if like with plastic pistols, if you call it this, but the back strap, uh, like what I would be used to calling the back strap, you wouldn't want it to land on there because what's going to happen is the momentum, the, tr the trigger momentum will continue after the pistol hits the ground and mm. will force the trigger downwards and go off. So that's not actually an issue in say, uh, a 1911 because there's a uh, a physical blockade on both the hammer and there's a secondary physical block. I mean, on the excuse me, on the sear and a second a secondary physical blockade on the hammer. In a 1911, you're actually more concerned about the pistol dropping flat on the muzzle because the inertial firing pin, which is just held in with a spring, the momentum on that can carry it forward, and that's a function of how high it was dropped from. Uh, how heavy your firing pin is, right? So you can have a, a steel firing pin is heavier. That is, rel I'm not saying it's dangerous, but relatively less drop safe than a titanium firing pin. And then how worn out your firing pin spring is. That's your primary drop safety mechanism for a muzzle drop in a 1911 is the is the firing pin spring. Whereas like that's not really an issue. Do you call it a, a striker spring in a striker pistol? Yeah. Right, am I using yeah. So that's not really typically an issue in drop safety on like a like a Glock safe action type pistol. You're more worried about actually the trigger, what you know, the the trigger return spring and the weight of the trigger, and you're worried about drops on the other side of the gun. Yeah, you can look at a Glock trigger and the safety plunger little mechanism thing is like that's where the mush comes from. And you can just see how it works. You're like, well, this thing was always gonna be mushy. Because it's got to it's got to push this little little plunger out of the way, um, yeah. You you what you you remind me of the best gun channel ever is this guy named Life Size Potato, and he like like he left all his videos up, but he hasn't posted a video in like six or seven years, and his he's he's just got the most disgusting collection you've ever seen. I mean, every he's just got every awesome pistol there is, and a lot a lot of stuff that like people didn't really know about until he posted and this was all back and, and he posts like in 4k in like 2016 and stuff just beautiful stuff and um uh one of his things so all his all his stuff is met is like is he's got the same taste you have but honestly like one of the so you know he loves italian stuff like that and one of the things is that like um you know when he'll compare a gun that people don't know he'll say oh, i'm i'm a compare it against my Glock and he always take, you know, those rubber demonstration Glocks they use for classes and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the technical term for those is a blue gun. Yeah. It, it, he takes the blue gun, he throws on the table and you know, it's the funny things you're saying, like you have a thousand pistols and you don't have a Glock. No, we don't have a Glock. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's funny. I, the, I have exactly one Glock and it's a blue gun. 
Uh, I got it for free when I I took my CCW class. They gave it to me. Uh, That's the only, it's the only like Glock I have in the house. It's uh, everything I have is Beretta, Colt, Star, and I have one high power. Uh, That's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's the, he, he's, he's like, he used to run the Mateba club, um, which Matebas are just the coolest guns in the world. They're beautiful, and I've never seen one in real life. I've only seen photos. Yeah, they're just they're amazing. Some some guy bought the Mateba brand like four or five years ago, and they announced they were going to be selling guns, but it was just some idiot. They they're not they're not making guns anymore. They're 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 so awesome. Yeah. There are so one of the things that surprises me with like especially with like old style single action guns becoming more popular again, right? Like 2011's like, I mean, staccato can't, you can't even just go buy a staccato. You have to wait like four months to get one. And that's Mm -hmm. not like a hand fit gun. That's a mass produced machine fit gun. Um, It surprises me that some of the old brands that where I know people still own the intellectual property, or even if they don't, then, then you could just use it. If it's what, if it's fallen off, Somebody doesn't just make the old models under the name because some of them were so pretty. Like the one I think of a lot is like Detonics, right? The have you do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. The guns from Terminator and everything. Yeah, Terminator. They, yep. They made those tiny 45 caliber 1911 style pistols. I'm surprised there is a guy I I researched this that owns all the intellectual property. I'm surprised he doesn't license that to someone to start making like combat masters and stuff like that again. Well, I mean, I have a conspiracy theory about this. So, I mean, first off, do you know, like, um, so I'm, this is a conspiracy you don't know until you start looking for one, but, um, uh, you know, AR-15s with the carry handle? I mean, I've seen what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, there is like, uh, and PSA owns them now, but they, there was somebody trying to like corner the market on that. So like the only way you, you could buy a can- carry handle old school upper was through them now you know that the filipino company that which by the way they make i've heard they make beautiful 1911s they're they're very affordable and they make such nice 1911s because we built that factory like during world war ii right yeah uh some of it yeah uh i think you're probably talking about arms corps they make rock island there's also Mm -hmm. metro arms those are actually very pretty as well that's also philippines yeah, because we built that that 1911 factory there. 1911 has become the gun of the Philippines, and like everybody, everybody in the Philippines carries 1911. By the way, Filipino food is just in. It's so top tier. It's so top tier because they've been conquered by, you know, everybody, and they just take all the best stuff. It's so so top tier. I heard people saying it wasn't the other day. On I was like, well, you have no idea what you're talking about. Filipino food is is just. Re- amazing but um they made a 2011 that was affordable and they still they still do they're actually in stock now Uh, now. so the difference is they so the filipino ones are a clone of they're not a 2011 clone they're a clone of the old para ordinance double stack so they don't have the removable grip frame that removes from the the mainframe they're actually one solid still piece. That's how Pair Ordnance did it, and that's how Remington did it when Remington was making them. And Rock Island is a clone of those, so it's it's different than the two piece frame that Staccato invented. 
or it was is called it, STI. What do you think uh, about him? So it's funny that you bring that up. I literally just won an auction for one because I was in, I've never shot one. <laughs> yeah. And I and I was I just it's nothing that I was like super driven to get, but I was like, eh, if it's cheap enough, I'll get one. Right. Yeah. Like uh and so I got one for four hundred dollars brand new. Right. Uh and it's one of the models. So they have released a model of it now that shoots, it comes with two barrels. It shoots both nine millimeter and 22 TCM. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. 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 So, uh, I've never shot 22 TCM either. So I was like 400 bucks. I'll take a flyer. Even if it sucks, whatever it's, you know, I'll give it a shot. So I'll let you know, like when I actually start shooting it, but the other thing that's going on, like those are around now. I mean, they're not, I got a particularly good deal on kind of a sleepy auction, but they're not too expensive. The actual 2011 style, which has the removable, the whole grip removes from the frame, Gerson, uh, which is Turkish and makes decent, pretty decent 1911s. Uh, they are releasing like an exact clone, um, uh, like to the point where I believe staccato grips are interchangeable with it. Uh, they are releasing one. I believe it finally comes out next month. They announced it at SHOT Show. And the all the websites, like, you know how before a gun releases, if you go to the online sellers, they'll show it with the price and then it'll just say out of stock. Right. Uh, so all the prices I've seen on it are like 700 bucks. Um, so that, that'll be kind of interesting to see how that changes the market when it drops, if it's any good. The Turks make, the Turks are, are make great guns for the money. I mean, especially like, um, stuff that's like stuff that's expensive, like skeet, skeet shotguns, um, stuff like that, that you don't like. Cause the thing about the 2011 is like, uh, a 2011 is awesome, but like, you know, I'm not trying to pay. I'm not, I'm not Jerry Mitchell. I'm not, I'm not competing, uh, you know, in an open class. I don't need to, I don't need a $2,000 gun. That's the thing. Duty. 2011s are becoming more of a thing, right? So Staccato tried to get into that, and they have, but they're still expensive. They're like two grand. I've heard like, the, that's the, considered a cheap 2011, by the way. An expensive 2011 is like an Atlas. They're like six grand uh, right. for competition. Okay, that makes sense. So, you know, I've heard that just the way a 1911 is made, they're just never going to be truly cheap. I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, we'll see how. I mean, this, well, I mean, truly cheap is in like 350 bucks. Yeah, probably. But like, we'll see how, you know, this, this Gerson one is when it comes out 700 bucks. If that really, cause the first like duty quote unquote cheap, you know, uh, knockoff of staccato was Springfield did the prodigy. Yeah. Uh, and that had some problems at the release, but it's seemed to be straight. gamer look for me. Yeah, that's so that's my problem with 2011's period. They look they don't look they're too gamerish. One of the things I like about the para ordnance clones over the 2011s like the Rock Island that I just ordered is they look like 1911s. They don't look like some like gamer thing. Yeah. I don't like I don't like the gamer look. Now I think I don't that's need a dragon. I don't need hex like like the yes. uh, yeah, hex pattern. I don't need grip zone on the side of on the side of the handle. Uh, I don't need any of that shit. Just put, exactly. give me a give me a horse, a horse or a snake. That's it. And I got to give credit. Gerson's is fairly understated. The one that they put out. I've seen pictures. I'm not saying it's a beautiful gun, but it's at least not over the top. It's not. It's not overstated. The only decent looking 
actual 2011, meaning with the two-piece frame, not the not like a pair ordnance clone uh, that I've seen is, but it's a hand-fitted gun that's four grand. Is Alchemy makes uh, a 2011? The whole sh- their whole shtick is that they make the most classic-looking 2011 that's currently available, and it's actually not a bad-looking gun. Mm. I don't like the name though. It's a little gamer name. Yeah, but you know what? I'll give them credit. It's Alchemy Custom Weaponry, and it's they. Their whole thing is they their pistols are all designed to look like they came right out of the seventies or the eighties, and even their roll marks are just a very simple like Alchemy Custom Weaponry and like a cursive script. Gotcha. See, what we're trying to do is be like Patton here, because this is what I was talking about earlier. I didn't get into it, but like, you know, the officer has to carry a pistol. You just have to. Well, by the way, that's one of the reasons why with these small first concealed carry guns, they're like, they weren't concealed. It was just like, I have to carry a pistol. Give me the smallest thing that you got. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, way, I don't know how familiar you are with this, but like the smallest 1911, there's traditionally, there were three sizes. Government, five inch long. Commander, four and a quarter. And it's called the Commander because it was originally issued to the higher up guys. Right. right? And then Colt went one step further to a three and a half inch, real tiny one. Uh, Don't like those much ones as much personally, but there are definitely still around. And that's literally called the officer size. Yes. Yes. I have to have a gun. I'm going to have this thing. But the other thing is you, they want something cool. And that's what you want. Some cool. What did Pat carry? You you, you kind of erupted. Oh, he carried uh he carried a pay, he carried two single Colt single action army. The greatest uh this you're playing Metal Gear he says this is the Colt single action army, the greatest handgun ever made. For the pet for out. the first couple what, weeks, by the way. Mar- you're leaving something out. Oh the, something about it, them. He had uh quote unquote pearl handled pistols, but they were for ivory. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. My man knows, my man knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ivory handled, yeah. Yeah. You can't I don't you you gotta you can't have ivory no more. He, he said that he said that pearl handled uh, were for pimps. <laughs> he was offended when someone accused him of carrying pearl handled. You know he was rich too, by the way. Even before he went in the military. Yeah, his family. Uh, yeah, look up his family history. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this, the, I mean, I suffer from this too. I mean, I cannot. I can never bring myself to carry something too like. Uh, utilitarian, right? I'm not saying that's smart, but you know, I've carried too a lot mid. of oddball. Exactly, too mid. I mean, for the last couple weeks, it's first time in a while I've actually changed my regular carry piece. I've carried a Star Super A, which is like, I mean, that's a pretty classic looking uh, old gun. And like, there's two parts to it. One, it's like this beautiful classic gun, and two, I get like a certain level of pride out of like something that I have either had to restore or build or it somehow has my mark on it. Right. And in the, in the case of this particular star, it's a super a, not a super B from the factory, which means it's calibered for nine millimeter Largo, which is a dead caliber instead of nine millimeter Parabellum. And what I did with that gun is I, you know, made a little four millimeter steel ring that I like, uh, JB welded at the very bottom of the chamber so that nine millimeter parabellum will headspace correctly. It fires perfectly. I've probably put a thousand rounds through it without a malfunction. 
You want to hear some crazy stuff? And uh, if anybody's got to go, just say something. But um, I've been getting farther in my my big car project, right? The um, this is something. So I've had this car for a long time. I've had this car my whole life. And so when I got out of high school, I bought and sold classic cars and fixed them up. And like the the idea was that I'm going to buy and sell and buy and sell until I get the car that I really wanted. It's like a, it's a, it's a high end Mopar. And the thing is like, um, and it was, uh, I, they're, they're expensive and they're very expensive now, but like in my mind, they're not as expensive as they should be. So like I bought this a long time ago, back when muscle cars weren't in demand. And even and like, I knew the whole market. I knew every car that, that sold in the United States and I waited like a year to find one. So like, I know they're way rarer than like, than even the market says, because it, this was incredibly hard to get. The only problem is obviously, you know, I mean, like manual transmissions, I'm putting an automatic in it. The old, the automatic is out. I've got all the parts. I'm sort of halfway through the process. Now I'm at the process where you got to start welding. I don't have the terminology perfectly, but I have to put this thing on the frame that the, uh, that the, the clutch Z bar pivots on blah, blah, blah. So I had to buy a welding machine and the gas, you know how much that gas costs? It's a 400 bucks for a bottle of that welding gas. <laughs> oh, I believe it. Yeah. But bought this stuff and then someone from, my dad's church or something like that there was a widow and she was having to clear out stuff from her husband's tool shed for the um code enforcement came by just giving out tools and stuff oh wow that's a dream yeah and she you got you got some of the i got a yeah i got a i got a makita um what do you call the saw that sits on the table that miter saw Oh yeah, that that miter saw is like one of my favorite tools because I suck at doing anything in a straight line, and the miter mm. saw like it idiot proofs that shit for me. If I gotta cut boards, you know what I mean. This is like an ancient Makita. By the way, shout out Makita. We've been talking about Makita a lot lately. Makita, like cat, like this base is like this cast iron. It is like weighs a thousand pounds. It's like super ancient. It looks beautiful. I turned it on and it didn't run great. I don't know if there's something I can do about that. But anyways, but also, oh, here's a brand new welding machine. Right after I went and bought a welding machine. <laughs> so are you when you're welding with a car? Is that just like MIG welding? Well, probably. Well, I'm going to, so I've got to do a couple things, this car later on, that'll definitely be MIG. But right now, this thing I'm doing, me and my dad are working on, we're going to use, we're going to probably use stick welding for this thing because it's, it'll just be easier to do. You know, stick welding is, is, uh, it's just not pretty. Gotcha. That makes sense. I, I don't know a ton about welding, but I know, I mean, I know the the basics. I didn't like once the craziest welding equipment I've ever seen. Have you ever seen the the welding equipment that jewelers use? No. It's it is like I I respect them for being able to weld like in a spot that tiny. It is tiny, man. Like it's it's I mean, I could do something like that like soldering, but like these guys are actually like welding and they got to make it look real pretty, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Well, I've never had a welding machine. My dad was was a welder, and so uh, I don't know. I just feel like I'm I was just getting into my element. It's, it's the thing, you know, watching um, watching Smokey and the Bandit thing. What's stopping me from being this? Well, <laughs> you know, I should be welding. That's something a guy like me should be doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you'll. I mean, you'll be all right with that because you're good with that. I mean, you're good with that stuff in general, just from working on. Like, there's a skill set related to. I don't know how to explain it. All right, I'll explain it this way. Like, if you're really good at fixing up old cars, like you are, it's more than just having like an like an ability and patience to tinker. There's like an artistry aspect to it too. And like, so like personally, that's what I suck at. Like if I have to fix something, I can fix something in a utilitarian way. I can fix like a piece of equipment, the internals. Uh, it's actually shocking that I've gotten pretty good at bluing guns. Cause that's usually a type of thing I'd be bad at. Like, so for instance, with like home repair, like I suck at painting, like, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, but like you're able to do both aspects of that. So the welding, cause the welding has got a little bit of that artistry. You got to have the steady hand. You got to get the, you got to make it like look real clean, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know how surgeons do, but like, there's this thing about, um, long distance shooting. So I always wondered how these snipers could, could their hands not shake because if you just, you know, if you hold a pistol out, uh, it, your hand shakes, it just does. Everybody does. And so I, I bought, I went on Amazon and I bought like the number one guide to being a sniper. I don't know if that's going to come up in a court case or something at some point, but, uh, <laughs> and the main thing I want to look at, I was like, I was like, I have to flip to the page on how you, you, you know, in video, like in Metal Gear Solid, he takes diazepam. <laughs> to, you think it's like a muscle relax or something. Or no, diazepam is what you take on a boat and not get sick, isn't it? Which, by yeah, the way, I, I know in the Olympics, they test for beta blockers because, like, what they'll do, like in biathlon, where they have to do shooting, they'll, the way they'll cheat is they'll take beta blockers to slow down their heartbeat and then they'll do like trigger pulls between beats. Yeah, Hell, Hellbilly says that's Dramamine, Diazepam's a benzo. Okay, yeah. that makes it. By the way, the Dramamine, so my dad was a boat captain, right? He always wonders, like, these guys, you know, they get out there on the heavy seas and stuff. Like, you got to hear, you got to, you got to be born a certain way to not throw up and not get sick or something. And I asked him, like, what do you, what do they do about it? Oh, they just all take Dramamine. <laughs> that's what everybody does. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that's how they don't get sick. Yeah, anyway, same thing. I was like, so how do these guys not shake? The first thing the book says is that, like, it says, oh, you're going to, like, you, the only way to not shake is, like, when you're setting up your sniper shot, you, all you're doing is you're stacking bones on top of each other, right? So, like, you need, like, your elbow, like, if you have to sit down or something, you you're, you need an elbow on top of a knee. Like, you need bones, not not muscle. Only only thing that doesn't shake is bones. I was like, well, so, they, no, they all shake. You you just have to sit yourself in a way that you don't that that you're not relying on muscle. That's crazy. Yeah, that's why that's why like every when they when they when in the early early twentieth century when they really started getting into the science of shooting and like the FBI did trials about what's the best shooting stance and it pretty much came to the conclusion because originally they had weird stuff like. Uh, one hand, you make a fist over your heart so that if you get shot, mm-hmm. you're, 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 like, like, all the World War II training videos, they train them to shoot one handed. Right. I mean, you, you, you should be able to shoot one handed because you might need to. But the best thing to do is you have a hand and a brace. And that takes, yeah, takes away it's, that problem. 
I believe that it wasn't until the Cooper stance became popular yeah. in the 50s that people started shooting two-handed. Uh, and it was funny at the range today. I saw, I haven't seen anyone shoot like in the Cooper stance in a while. Cause pretty much everyone does like isosceles. Now yeah. I, I saw, I saw a guy at the, a young guy too, uh, 15 years younger than me, uh, at the range today, actually shooting in a Cooper, shoot stance. Cooper stance. There you, there you go, man. That's I'd just expect no less. Yeah. That's yeah. I learned Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the I mean you know how you learn is always what's going to be most comfortable to you. I think I think that they haven't they you know they've worked it out now that like the isosceles or whatever the modern version of isosceles is the best, right? That's it's whatever it's what it's like what anyone teaches. If you like uh, like if you were to go to I don't know a place that gave classes, they would teach isosceles, but I don't. I mean, I don't know if that's been like conclusively studied. There's definitely still people that shoot in the Cooper stance. What's with that weird John Wick? Uh, uh, there's a word for it. I, I forget what it's called. Where like there, you you, you 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 clutch the gun to your chest like a like you were having the vapors. In, in a, uh, you talking about that? You like when you're first drawing and then you push it out with both hands? No. Uh, you, you have you ever seen the John? You've seen John Wick, right? Yeah. Like he, he, that weird stuff he does with the gun, like he kind of holds it, holds it close to his chest, like he's. I don't know, but I'm sure. Like, I think half the reason why they made those movies is like um, because of like Ipsic and stuff like that. It might. It, yeah, I, I don't know what it's called. Whatever, whatever it's called, that, I'm that, sure it's a real thing. It is a real thing, but I, I, I I'm skeptical that it's actually. By the way, do you know how much the the uh, the TTI Pit Viper, which is the the 2011 that he uses, I guess, most frequently in those movies. Uh, do you know how much those cost? The John mm. Wick edition? They're 9000 Or no, I'm sorry. They're like $20,000. Yeah. <laughs> and people make fun of them because they're like, well, like, I mean, it's not a cheap gun, but I think it's like something like, okay, this is probably like a $6,000 gun that you're paying $20,000 for because you're really into John Wick. Well, I mean, this is the, there's, Boomers go crazy with 1911s with this Dan Wesson and all that stuff like that. They're not even, I mean, Dan Wessons are like, those are like 12 to $1,600 guns. Oh, like, okay. because they're still 1911s. This, the John Wick Turan tactical thing is a 2011 and it looks like uh, all the worst gamer stuff you and I just talked about. That's what this <laughs> thing looks like. It's, it's really, really ugly. You see, they got all them strippers hanging out at the at the uh, the Terran Tactical Ranch or whatever. No, I haven't seen that. I haven't paid that much attention to it. There's all these there's all these chicks with big titties like all over the place at the Terran Tactical place. Maybe that's why they paid the big bucks. <laughs> you gotta you gotta be selling guns for twenty thousand dollars if you wanna you wanna keep that up. I, I, I know this doesn't make any sense, but like, go look up any video at the Terran Tactical Ranch. When anyone's shooting, there's like, there's these strippers standing behind you. They're like, yeah, yeah, great shot. That reminds me. Last time when we talked about the HK uh, social media thing, Fredo said that he didn't see there was any evidence that it was actually the the former. I guess amateur model lady tweeting that stuff out, and someone someone inter asked her, and she claimed it wasn't her. However, as I said before, that makes the story much less interesting. So just just pretend you didn't hear that. Fredo was right, but it was it was better the other way. Yeah. All right, guys. We didn't have damage tonight. Yeah. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, y'all. 
Just a little bit more than the long of the line. Woo! 